Well, well, well. How nice it is to be back in the All Things Comedy Studio. Doing what surely is the highlight of my week, the Fairly Normal Podcast. I want to say hello to the Fairly Normal family out there. I love meeting you guys when I'm out and around the, the country and the best. Uh, telling you, this week was I was in Atlanta and Boston. Some amazing things happening. But my highlight of the week, not sitting on the Green Monster. Not being on the field for the national anthem at Fenway Park. Not there, being there for batting practice. Not singing Let It Go from Frozen with uh, Red Sox pitcher Stephen Wright on stage at the House of Blues for the Buckholtz Foundation charity, which I did. I sang Let, Let It Go. Let It Go. It wasn't yeah. Stephen Wright the comic? No. That might have been... In- even more entertaining. More yeah, yeah. It wasn't either. It wasn't visiting my wife Beth, who I haven't seen in a couple weeks because she's in pre-production for her movie. You know the highlight of my week, although sound pretty good, Hiram. Huh, yeah. You know what the highlight was? Being here. The waiter oh. walked up, and as he was putting down my check, he said to me, "I love your podcast." Oh, great. I mean. It was the highlight, and I know that seems stupid, but it truly was the highlight for me um, because I love doing this, and I just never know if anybody's listening or... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, hopefully it means he watches, too. He, Yeah, watch, listen, and, uh, and guys, before we go any further, um, first of all, I want to remind everybody, if you live in Los Angeles, go to Buds and Roses. Best weed store in the city. The Bud Tender, you heard me. Bud Tenders there are amazing. They're all fantastic. The the, the quality of medicine there is out of this world. And uh, you mentioned my name, 10% off. Also, everybody, listen. Who isn't horny? Everybody's horny. I know everybody listening to my podcast is kind of horny. Um, because we all enjoy things that feel good. You want to feel good? You want to feel good? You want to get some things that help you and your partner feel good? Go to adamandeve.com. And for a limited time only, you're going to get 50% off just about any item. You got to select your one item at 50% off, and you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for those of you who still use DVDs. Plus, I mean, I haven't jerked off to a DVD since the last time I watched Lion King, I guess. Uh, <laughs> zing! Nailed it. Uh, you'll receive three free adult DVDs plus a free mystery gift. That doesn't say whether it's been used or not, but it will be a mystery gift. Nothing like getting a used dildo. Uh, and to top it all off, they will even throw in free shipping on your entire order. AdamandEve.com and use the code NORMAL at checkout. That is N-O-R-M-A-L, NORMAL, at AdamandEve.com. Use the code NORMAL at AdamandEve.com and get some shit to make yourself feel good. Who knows? When's the last dirty, Aaron, the last dirty DVD you watched? DVD, I can't even. I mean, yeah, it's been a long time. Right, because it's... 
I have it right here in my hand. Yeah. Anything that I want to see, whatever that DVD is, there are clips of it in my hand right now. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, there you go. Go to Adam and Eve, but you can get yourself some pretty cool stuff there. Um, and I listen, I, I'm a firm believer in spicing things up. I really am. I, I think it's really important to do. I, I, I'm a firm. Not, you don't even have to just, doesn't have to always be sex stuff, but surprising people is not a terrible thing. Um, okay, guys. What a crazy week we've had in America since last we talked. I don't, once again, you know, we're, I'm a few days lit after it, Aaron. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should talk about it. Um, I, I just think it's important to remember for both sides, right? Uh, you know, the police want you to know that not all police are racist. And not all police are shooting unarmed people. Mm-hmm. The Black Lives Matter protesters would like you to know that most of the protesters are not violent. Mm-hmm. Most of the protesters just want change. But it's funny that both sides seem to be casting a pretty wide net when they're describing the other group. You know, I, I had heard rumor years ago, years ago, that the Ku Klux Klan and, and other white supremacist groups were telling their members to enlist in law enforcement. Um, had you heard those rumors? No. I had heard those rumors years ago, um, and their thinking was just in case shit goes down, you know, we need some people on the inside. I don't buy into that shit. Um, There's a plot line on the following. Yes, exactly. Not a sponsor. I love that show. Too bad it's never coming back. Season one was really good. Yeah. It wasn't really a plot line. I mean, they had people in every yeah, rank. Right. I mean, That's true. It's crazy. But here's my point. Guys, um, I I think that nothing can get solved. You cannot solve any of these problems we have in America until people in their own groups, people in their own communities Start holding each other responsible. Because as long as the person you're shoulder to shoulder with keeps a fuck them, it's us against them mentality, there's no way you're ever going to break ranks with any group. You have to hold the people on your side. Just because you're holding people responsible doesn't mean you're against them. Just because I would like to get rid of a few corrupt cops doesn't mean I'm anti-copped. Cop, just because I would like to get rid of some anarchists or some uh, 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 people in the African-American community who may be acting out doesn't mean that all black folks are bad. As a matter of fact, just quite the contrary for both sides. Man, I shook so many hands of police officers this week. And I, I think it goes, it, it, it's not talked about enough about how difficult their job is. It's not talked about enough. Maybe it is, and I know, and I know what the argument is that that's their job. They chose their job. They should be held to a higher standard. They're a public servant. We're the public. They, oh, I get it. But every day, most of us don't leave the house thinking that we could die today doing our job. So I think there's a little bit on edge. Um, they're a little bit on edge. Add, add that to the to the amount of camera phones and video technology that has just been highlighting the bad apples, and it's like I've always said, man, if I saw a million videos of pit bulls and the only videos I ever saw were pit bulls biting people, I would be like, man, fucking pit bulls are bad. Okay, 
So if we see, there are, I don't know how many police there are in the United States, but if we see, all we see are the videos of the bad cops, that's what gets stuck in your head. And I, as a person who is fully behind the police department, um, that is just not the case. Being fully behind the police department, I also think there has to be changes. There have to be changes made. There have to be changes made. And last week was heartbreaking as an American. Um, and I, I, one thing, you know, there are two things that I thought about last week, Aaron. You tell me. One, I wonder, I'm sure the NRA supports police, right? The police force? Let's assume that. I would assume, yes. Do you think police want to live in a country where everybody's armed? Uh, absolutely not. But you don't hear the police speaking out against the NRA, probably because there's too much money in it. But I think if you ask the people that are supposed to keep our streets safe, are supposed to keep our neighborhoods safe, they would probably tell you they do not want. I think that's something that I don't know why that hasn't been brought up by police officers or yeah, they they have those gun buybacks, you know. Yeah, but they have to. But they, not, yeah, that well publicized. I can't. I can't imagine every police department in the country isn't on board with the Democrats wanting gun reform. I can't imagine every time you stop a car, if every time a police officer stopped a car, they knew there was a gun in the car, there would be some more trigger happy. The problem is, what happens is, is you're dealing with human beings, guys, and naturally, human beings don't want to get shot. And they get a little nervous when they know there's a gun there. And there's, you know, you reach for your wallet and they think your gun's there. You just chance you're going to get shot. And that's fucked up. Um, the, two, the second thing, look, and I need to do more. And I wish somebody, if somebody's listening, I wish that guy Shannon was still listening to this podcast. He was a police officer in Louisiana. I know you're not allowed to carry guns on a military base. The military people who are trained... Excuse me. The only people allowed to carry guns are the MPs, which is why when you hear of a shooting at a military base, people are like, well, why didn't somebody just shoot him? Well, because the only person carrying the gun are the MPs. If the military, with all of their trained, because the arguments with the people who want everyone to have a gun is, if they're trained people there, no problem. If Then why doesn't the military, who we're going to assume knows more about guns than all of us, mm-hmm. why don't they believe that too? If They, they, they design the guns. So they designed those assault rifles. So if if the military doesn't want everybody on a military base carrying a gun, why would we want civilians who are not trained? And all, it just makes no sense to me that more guns equals safer. It's especially more high powered. I just, and I'm guys, I, I I I'm for the Second Amendment. I, I own a gun, but I also think, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so you can help me here, but just the word amendment means that it wasn't in the original Constitution, correct? No, it was in the Bill of Rights, okay. which was added after. So if it wasn't in the Const- original Constitution, that means that they went back and they were like, oh, let's add this. It was amended, so things have been mm-hmm. changed. Yeah, 27, 26, 27 times. Yeah, so if it's been amended 26, 27 times, why, the people who are constitutionalists. Mm-hmm. If it's in, look, are, are you saying you don't want women to vote? Right? That was an amendment. 
Yes, that was an amendment. You can Google it. <laughs> I know halfway through there we made black people people, so that was good. Yes. Yeah. But I'm just saying. So we've made all these amendments. But if you're, I, I don't, I don't. That's why I don't understand the strict constitutionalists. Yeah. Well, if you're strict, let's go to the original one. And the original one doesn't say shit about guns. Nope. Okay. Not in there. So now they made an amendment. Why can't we? That's what I don't get. Why can't we meet in the fucking middle? Why can't I keep my handgun? But why can't we make it basically impossible to sell the assault rifles? Why can't we take them out of all the gun shows? Why can't we take them out of all the fucking gun shops? I just don't understand. And I'll say something else. As much as I want them out of the gun shops, I think the cops need to have them. What I saw in Dallas just showed me one dude pinning down an entire police force because none of them had the firepower to fight him. But it also showed me some brave motherfuckers running towards gunfire. You say what you want about these guys, man. You say what you want about them. They're doing the hardest job in this country. Fire people, too. Firemen and women. But it just makes... I just don't understand where the... Uh, that's DeGelder right now. By the way, Paul DeGelder is joining us. Paul, shark attack survivor. Um... And uh, and um, a true inspirational dude is about to join us any second. I'm just going to text him and tell him you're heading out. Um, he's heading out. He's going to the alternate lot. Which way? Uh, probably across the street. Um, okay. Okay. okay, thanks, dude. Um, but, yeah, so that's my thing, guys. And, all right, I, I don't want to get too much, too preachy and – how soapboxy and that's generally not what this is about but we at some point have to come in with common sense and we have some point you know you can find a statistic that'll back up anything you want online you can let's just go to the fact that we know people are being shot we know people of color are being shot i, I saw an article today that shows that that black people are not being shot disproportionately than white people by cops but the use of violence towards black folks by cops is disproportionate i don't know what matters is whether they're guys perception is reality perception is reality okay so we have a community in our country in the united states of america we have americans who feel like they are being targeted by the by the by the people that we hire to keep everyone safe. So right or wrong, this is built up for years and years and years. Whether you believe it to be right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Their perception. That means their perception is reality. That means we have to address that. You can't... And I'm with Blue Lives Matter too, guys. Blue lives, black lives, yellow lives, brown lives, whatever. Right? But we can't just say this fucking group... To call Black Lives Matter a terrorist group and all that shit is careless and reckless. To call all cops racist is careless and reckless. And it does not further the cause of anybody. Whether you think they are right or wrong, black folks feel they are targeted. That is their perception. That's all that matters. Perception being their reality. And so they act Accordingly, I'll tell you something. I, when pulled over by police, have a pretty easy go at it, but I'm not nervous at all. 
if a if a police officer was wrestling me to the ground, I would not think that there's a chance that I would get shot. So I wouldn't really resist. Anybody who's anybody who's not black, you can't talk about that you don't think there's racism. There's racism in the country. It's it, you can't because you haven't walked it every day. I'll tell you something. There's subliminal racism and subliminal subliminal sexism all over the place that I don't fucking see because I'm a white dude, man. Now, I have got a, a, a lot of anti-Semitic stuff recently. Very uh, alarming. That is coming back. That's making a comeback. That and the, then the, the hats that, that have the curve on them here. See these? Yeah, those are making comebacks. And here he comes. The man, the myth. Holy Come shit. sit right here, buddy. Yeah. Come uh, sit right here. It's Paul DeGelder, everybody. Going on. How are you, man? Uh, I'm better now. I'm out of the car and out yeah, of LA look traffic. It. Yeah, yeah, you got it, got it, got it. Now, now, put that little mother. These are our two cameras for your oh. handsome hey. grill. What's happening, um, buddy? How are you? Uh, Get right in there. Three, three weeks in LA now. Three, three weeks, weeks in LA. Three and, weeks deep. And and so, um, how's the traffic compared to it's, Australia? It's bullshit. <laughs> It is. It's got dicks all over it. I tell you yeah. what, driving around around LA is a bag of dicks. It's not easy. No. How many times did you scream "fuck" in your car? <laughs> How many? Were you recording? Yeah. <laughs> How many times on the ride over did you scream "fuck" in your car? I I don't know, but I'm not sure most of LA has ever seen a soccer mom car being driven like a rally car. What kind of car are you driving? Oh man, I was supposed to get this Dodge Jeep thing yeah. i don't know but they were taking too long so i said just give me what you've got and i've got this piece of crap chevy equinox looks oh. like i should have six kids in the back yeah do you have any do you, should we just put some car seats in there just for fuck yeah why, fuck not, why not yeah. how <laughs> so three weeks in la and you moved here now yeah yeah this is it um i still don't have my working visa yet so i'm not officially allowed to work right but uh, it's on its way discovery channel's given me a job they're giving me a visa so i just figured fuck it, I'll just come out and live here until it all sorts itself out. So I'm just waiting on the lawyers with the contracts and all that shenanigans. What's the show? Oh, it's a whole bunch of shows. You are like, um, you really in the last couple of years. Okay, so before- Things have changed. Yes. Okay, let's back up for everybody. Uh-huh. So did I meet you four years ago? Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was. Four years ago four was years the first ago. time, yeah. Okay, so I was hosting something called Shark After Dark. I'd just done an interview. That's it. Yes. Like a, a, a TV show on Shark Week called Day of the Shark, I mm -hmm. think it was. And all I'd done was an interview. And then Discovery Channel thought, oh, look, he's all right. Let's right. fly him out to LA and put him on Shark After Dark with Josh Wolf. Now, okay, so for people who don't know, you are a shark attack survivor. Yeah. Do you, before I ask you about the story, do you ever get sick of telling it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. You do, right? I, I I don't allow myself to get pissed off about it because I realized that if I if I did, I'd just be pissed all the time because everyone wants to hear right. at least some, a fraction of it. It's like so I, I it's like Bon Jovi being mad singing Living on a Prayer. It, yeah, right? He's got to sing Living <laughs> on a Prayer because if people leave the concert and they're like, he didn't fucking sing Living uh -huh. on a Prayer, people are going to leave there mad. Yeah, so you can't. You can't get angry about it. You know, if I saw a half-robot dude walking down the street, I'd be curious as well. So I take a deep breath and I, I let it go. You know, I ran into Arnie the other day. I, I trained down at Gold's Gym and one of my buddies there is a Schwarzenegger. Trainer. Schwarzenegger, yeah. Right. And he's like, oh, Paul, have you met Arnie yet? And I'm no. 
And he goes, well, come on, come on. He's over here training. And I'm walking over to him Wait, thinking- Wait, he still trains at Gold's Gym? Yeah. Yeah. This is like uh, six in the morning. Is he jacked? Yeah. He's got bigger <laughs> pipes than I do. That's for sure. But can you imagine how many times he must get interrupted while he's just trying to work out? Yeah. And I felt bad actually going to say hello. And I didn't hold him up. And I didn't have a photo or any of those things that I really wanted to do and had a conversation. It's because I, I, I know what it's like. You know? Yeah. But at the same time, I understand people would be interested. So I really don't mind. Okay. Do you remember? Okay. So when we met, do you remember the first thing I said to you? Well, one of the first things I said to you on the couch during the interview? No. I said, you look like a James Bond villain. That's <laughs> not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> I know. That's what you said to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what you said to me. Because I asked you, I go, how many different how many hands gadgets? do you have? How many different hands do you have? Yeah. How many do you have? Well, including the broken ones. How do you break them? Uh, do you need uh, some help with that? Arm wrestling. Look. You get I mean, the, yeah, oh let me. Oh, my God. The, let me, that's one thing the robot hand is not good with. I'm with trying to opening. Open, a, he's trying yeah, to open trying a to bottle open, of water. Yeah, except it crushes. It's like that Eminem song. My prosthetic <laughs> arm keeps crushing my hard taco. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, give me this. I'm just going to put water all over uh, your electronics. Thanks, buddy. There you go. Um, do you also remember your first conversation with Tara Reid? I do. She is a. <laughs> You know, I'm, I met Wait, her brother the other night. It was really where? weird. I was down at um, Redondo, El Segundo, or Manhattan yeah, yeah, Beach, yeah. and her brother came over and said hello. Now, Tara was on the shark show also because of Sharknado. So my favorite question to her, uh, from her to you, do you remember what that was? Why is why why is one of your hands black? <laughs> and you said, "Oh, I was." Attacked by a shark, mm -hmm. and I got this is a prosthetic. Yeah, and she said, "Why did you do that?" Oh, and you were like, "God, how dim she is." <laughs> you were like, well, "I didn't mean to get attacked by a shark." I should have, I should have watched our show again. <laughs> that would she have been was, really entertaining. She was, uh, yeah, that was. You were very well. You held yourself together very well. I just remember the question from her about the whale shark and how the shark and the whale mated. Yes. And I remember face palming. Yeah, when she go and she said I didn't want to I didn't want to sound like an idiot, so I googled whale shark. Oh my god. Remember oh, she her brain broke in the middle of that interview. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you say she was popping pills and drinking red wine in It the... was not a great evening <laughs> for her. <laughs> but at the same time, she was really quite sweet when I was talking to her beforehand. Very sweet, very nice. That's why I don't want to dump all over no, her. But like, she was a nice person. Absolutely. She's just broken. She, she doesn't read much. No, she's broken. Mm, she's broken. Well, she's yeah. maybe, yeah. That's why when people called me the next day, because that interview was so ridiculous with me and her, <laughs> people called from all around the country for me to comment on her to make fun of her, but I wouldn't do it. Good. Because, Good Good because at the end of the day, you I'm don't need you. to. And she did it herself. <laughs> yeah, right. But I don't need to pile on, and she's a nice person, right? She is. She's a nice person. Do you? Okay. Because I'm not going to ask you about the story because I've also interviewed you twice about it. Uh -huh. I'm curious about a couple of things. All right. Let's get into it. All right. And then we're going to get to... Is it going to be the same question John Jones asked me? John's Bones Jones? No. Do I jerk off with my robot hand? Ah. Uh, it wasn't I... on the list? No, because I yeah. would have assumed you would have used your thumb and your ass on the robo hand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it moves like this. In yeah, circles, and right? I can dislocate the wrist. And yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it flops around. It's way better. Yeah, but by the way, from coming from another country, what do you what do you think about 
the the sh- all the shit that's been happening in America with the guns. Yeah, I'm so curious. Like this what's... place is the wild fucking west. You Coming guys... from Australia, which where there truly is no the guns. wild west. No guns, but no guns. Well, look, people have guns, right. like the the farmers, and um, you can you can get some sort of guns. But you guys are just crazy. Like I've got buddies with mountains of guns. And you're too far gone. That, that's the problem. Right. There's, there's too much hate going on. There's too many guns. You're too far gone. The people, the bad people with the guns aren't going to hand in their guns. The good people with the guns aren't going to hand in their guns because they need to protect people from the bad people with the guns. Right. And then the police are stuck in the middle and it's just, it's not great. It's, How do you, like, what's the view from other countries? Are they like, wow, we used to want to go there or is it you're crazy? Yeah, it's getting to the point now. I just had a buddy message me yesterday saying, you know, be careful out there. It's not the place that it used to be. Right. Um, and I think it's just that you have so many people. It's not like you have more crazy people than us no. in Australia. Like we have cra- we have our own crazy people as well. It's just that you have so many more people than us. So you've got, what, 300 million people here? Yeah. We've got about 30. So the, the crazy to people ratio is right. way out of whack. If we had 300 million people, we'd... Yeah, but you wouldn't have any, you still don't have, you don't have any guns over there. Well, yeah, you don't need guns to kill people. I'm sure being Australian, we'd create some other <laughs> random way to do it. You know, masters of ingenuity back at home. <laughs> Shit. So it is, so from the, from the outside looking in, it's things are off their fucking kilter a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you guys are in trouble. You've got Killary and Donald whatever people are calling Donald Trump and that's the best you've got to offer it really it doesn't seem I don't think it's the best it just seems like what we're stuck with yeah like doesn't anyone else want to have a go what about like these smart people Bill Gates but would anyone even vote for him though here's the thing the sad thing is is smart doesn't seem to be a prerequisite not anymore you here's you know what's crazy is that when George Bush was president, I remember a buddy of mine was like, you know why I like him? Yeah, boot campaign. Yeah, I he, like yeah. that. <laughs> he goes, you know why I like him? I like him because he talks like me. And I go, that's why I don't like him. Mm. I, I want my president to be so much smarter than you. Like, you know, Have well, you watched the Jim Jeffries clip on him? On Trump? On Yeah, on Trump. No, but I heard it's funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, just because he says something you understand doesn't make it right. Yeah. Let's yeah. make America great again. I understood every word of that. <laughs> You're a straight talker. I like it. It's but, just, it's, he's so right. Yeah, and you know, because I've been saying forever, straight talk doesn't mean it's right or doesn't even mean it's not a lie. Yeah. It just means he's just saying some shit. Yeah, that, and people agree with it. Yeah. Because it's easy to understand. Oh, it's fucking petrified. So how do you, being an American, more importantly, how do you feel about it? Like, are you are you stressed? Are you worried? Are you concerned? Are you just using it as feed for your comedy show? Um, a little of a all. Little of <laughs> a little of all. You know what? I hearken back to my dad said, he said, you know, he said, we went through this in the 60s. And he was like, you know, uh, it was that for civil rights and all that shit. You oh, know, okay. When, yep. You know. And um, he said, you know, there was a lot, you know, there were campuses burning down. There were cities burning down and it bubbles up and then people figure out a way to, you know, calm it down. He Mm -hmm. said, but it seems to happen, you know, periodically. And he, he said, the difference with this is that social media makes everybody scared all of the time. Right. So if I. There are no because everyone's got access to that information yes. now. Even the little kids, 
So if it's in my hand, that means it's happening to me right here, right now. Yeah. As opposed to at my house on the TV, but I'm seeing it all the time, yeah. all the time. And and so and it's reported on and and unfortunately, the I think the news it spreads the fear. That's oh, how they even back in Australia. I fly into Dallas on Thursday to go yeah. visit, hang out with some friends, and my buddies back home are like, "Be careful, you know, they're right, shooting they're... people out there." Right, because the fear spreads. But it doesn't feel that bad actually being here and knowing I'm going to Dallas. Like I'm not worried. No. But back home, they're worried about me going, which is very odd. You should you should make your own little movie on Instagram. Really? Yeah. About and, being in Dallas and just like, but make it super scary. Oh yeah, I, I don't really need to be. I'm going to be with like special forces. Are you going to be with Chris? I'm going to be with Chris and some other guys. Yeah. Chris Marcus is a massive. Friends. He's like a mountain of a person. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's like a ma- six foot four, three hundred and forty pounds of special for, forces of Louisiana. Yeah, I'm sure you're gonna feel pretty safe. Oh yeah, I'm not worried at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I would feel pretty fucking safe. And my other friends are just as big. So are they? Yeah, I'm like the midget. You're the tiny fellow. Yeah, yeah. Under underestimated though. Well, dude, but okay. I still haven't had the opportunity slash chance to slash hit somebody with that. To hit someone with this. What do you think would happen? I don't know. I hope I wouldn't break all the fingers off. Well, uh, but I think that you would knock somebody out. I'd probably I've just go for the hand. elbow. I'd go for the elbow just Wait. to protect the, you know, the hand. What about the foot? Because that comes in handy. The foot, yeah, probably Can't not really going to work. Not gonna yeah. work. But this if is... they kicked me in the leg of the robot leg, then oh, that would... there'd be problems. But yeah. but See, the, you hit, you, I'd hit someone and that thumb would get them and that hurts. That hurts. The whole thing hurts. The whole thing hurts, by the way. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. The whole th- <laughs> but, you know, he, uh, you, you shook my hand with that, and it's like, uh, have you, Aaron, come on over. Yeah, I, I did. It'll, it'll, oh, okay. Matt, yeah. yeah. It's, he, it, he, it's he got the girl group, though. Oh, he did you? get the man group. He can get in uh, there pretty okay. hard. And I, get- just have, I have the girl hand. Then. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what I had going at the time. Dude, did you, because you got those designed pretty specifically for you, right? Well, not pretty, but like this, the hand is what it is. It's made in a company in Germany and it comes stock standard and you can choose the colored glove that you want, really. Yeah. Um, the, the survival base that I've got is just a present from a little kid that gave to me, you know, ran up one day to Marine Corps base, asked me if I was a veteran and I said yes. And he stood to attention, gave me a he salute did? and gave me his survival bracelet. That's awesome. Yeah. So I haven't taken it off, but yeah, it, it comes, you can choose it to be like this. Dude, you're, to me, your attitude is what is the most amazing thing about you. Dude, I'm so lucky. But this is what I've always wanted to ask you. Did you have this attitude pre-attack? In some ways I did. It wasn't this, always the same. Remember, because we've had conversations said, about this. Yeah, before you said I, before you were... Before I joined the military, I was not the best person in the world. You know, yeah. I was doing some bad stuff. I was smoking a lot of weed and working in hospitality, doing lines of coke off the kegs out the back and... Mm-hmm. You know, so a Tuesday. Yeah, and then I became a rapper. So you what? That, that was all prerequisite to becoming a rapper. Didn't you know that? I opened up for Snoop Dogg in 98. That's not true. It's true, 100%. That is not fucking what, true. How do you not know this? You haven't told me that before. <laughs> Wait, what was your rap name? Uh, it was nothing special. It was called, it was Papal. With two P's? Papal? Papal. It came about because one of the guys was listening to Jay-Z one day. Yeah. And he said, Papaws. And he goes, oh, that sounds like Papal. And he called me Papal. So he did was you have original Pasadena. raps? Yeah. You wrote, you spit Dude, lyrics? My song is on iTunes still. Fuck you. It's called Smoke and Hydro. 
Smoke, can you pull that up, Smoking Hydro, and play us a little clip? Aaron, it's so bad. Smoking Hydro? It's so bad. Wait, so what did you wear when you opened for Snoop down there? What do you? This I is was pre wearing, Special Forces for you. Oh yeah, this is pre Army. This was pre, you know, anything. Like I was just finding my feet in the world. I was 21 years old. I can't imagine. I was working you, in a strip club at the same time. Baggy pants, baggy the whole thing. pants, baggy shirt, like big saggy North Face jacket. No, I like this thick chain because I love DMX. No, yeah, man, it was, it was all wrong. Can I tell you something? White. I weighed about eighty pounds. I was in a breakdancing group. Get fucked. My, really? Yeah. Can my, you still spin on your head? I was a popper and locker. Oh. Um, and I, uh, my name was uh, J Love. I fly like a dove. I come from <laughs> up above. I'm rocking on the mic and they call me J Love. Hey, so rapper and dancer. Well, you know, you had to give yourself a little before you walked out there. And oh, they put the cardboard okay. down. You had to introduce yourself, Paul. <laughs> you can't just walk out cold. You kind of got to let everybody know what they're about to All fucking right. see. And it has to be in rhyme form. Well, I thought it did at the time. Okay. And I had parachute pants. Oh. Did you have parachute pants? I didn't. I didn't own any because I didn't have any money because I was broke and I had to steal everything, and they didn't sell them at the stores. Everyone's mum was making them for them. So You're, oh, those are not the right parachute pants. Damn, parachute pants and hammer pants and. Um, oh, I had some hammer pants. Oh, I never had any of them. I used to work out in my hammer pants. Oh, get fucked. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> we're learning a lot about each other here. I listen. Th this was the time when I would go to the gym in my hammer pants. Down at Gold's gym in your hammer pants. Hammer pants, <laughs> white wife beater. Oh, that's awesome. Bandana. <laughs> <laughs> and I would go to the gym pretty sure oh. I was going to fuck somebody up. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I can see it in my head, man. Do but you have photos of that? I do, oh. and I was probably 20 pounds muscle heavier. Really? I was... You were stocky. What happened? I, I didn't like it. Oh, really? I didn't like that, man. I didn't mm. like that feeling at all. It was too heavy for the pop locking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. I couldn't I couldn't keep my flow, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tell me. Uh, so, wait. So, you're spitting lyrics. Yeah. Were you, were you a freestyler? I, was like, I wasn't so much spitting as dribbling. You were dribbling with lyrics? Yeah. But how did you get to open for Snoop? Well, one of the, the two of the guys that were running the group, one was a DJ from New Jersey and the other one was uh, a guy from Pasadena. And they just had a bit of a business mind about it. They'd worked in the industry for a little while, running uh, community radio shows, uh, running nightclubs and stuff. And we ended up putting an EP together and they sort of knew everyone in the industry from working at the mu all the music stores and distribution companies and stuff like that. So they just put in for it, kept bugging the guy that was bringing him out, sent out our EP. I can't and it, it went from you know, a 30 minute opening couple of months before to an hour and a half. We, oh, you know what? We should play, probably just play a little clip All of right. it. Let's yeah. hear what we got, Aaron. I got the first two. Oh, yeah. Is that you? Yeah. What? Oh, shit. Whose beat was that? Listening to a lot of Snoop. Yeah. I like. I, I gotta tell you, I don't hate it. <laughs> Glad to hear. Aaron, what do you think? That's not for me. Guy, <laughs> Aaron, it's not for me either. <laughs> but you know what? I like it because you're you're understated with your rap. You're not screaming. You're not. You're just. No, I was too stoned to scream. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Roland, you had your hand over the wheel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Other hand on the bong. Now, 
Did you? That's cool, Aaron. I think yeah. we got it. <laughs> Thanks. So. Did you? Did you sell a bunch of? No, we only had enough money to print like a thousand EPs, did you and sell then them they all? all they all just went basically to promotions. Did you smoke weed with Snoop? No, he the after the after party was at the venue that we were running, yeah. and we had our own VIP room. But Snoop didn't come. He said it was his wife's birthday or something. I'm sure that's just a, an excuse he makes to not hang out with the white boys. Yeah. But um, we had the VIP room and a whole bunch of his crew came and I had a joint rolling competition with um, the, one of the guys, like his mixer or something like that. And I killed him. I rolled a 16 paper joint and we smoked it for about a 40 minutes. 16 paper joint? 16 paper joint. It was full of grass. There was no, we didn't have enough bud to put in that thing. Oh but my it, God. It, it was in an old industrial kitchen. So we had this industrial fan above the couch where we're all sitting around smoking it. Which blazed for like forty minutes. Hard awesome. to get weed in Australia. The drug no, law is pretty. Drug no. law is pretty strict. No, it's not that hard at all. Where I grew up in Canberra, uh, weed is decriminalised, so you can grow a bunch of your own plants and you can you can have a little bit and you can smoke a little bit. But you, as long as you're not trying to sell it. And, you grew up in a city. I grew up in the capital of Australia, which everyone generally thinks is Melbourne yeah. or Sydney, but it's actually a place called Canberra. The Australian capital. It's called Canberra or the ACT, Australian Capital Territory. Uh-huh. And, and size-wise? Very small. You could drive across it in 35 minutes. Really? Yeah. And that's in heavy traffic. And you told me that you played rugby growing up. No, no, I didn't. Australian my did. I tried. I tried that's my brutal. hand at both of them. But I was so short and skinny with knobbly knees and big ears and freckles that I got my ass kicked. I was the worst player on the team, and my dad was the coach, so it was so fucking embarrassing. Were you a tough kid at all? No. I was, <laughs> oh, not at all. I, I started doing Muay Thai kickboxing at about 16, yeah. and then I had a growth spurt, and then some kid called my mum a fucking slut at school, and I hit him with an elbow and knocked him out. And that was my rise to becoming a little tougher, because up until that point, I was a big pussy. So did you fight a lot after that? Yeah. Every weekend. Really? Yeah, we. That's all we did. It was so. The, it was such a boring place. All we did was smoke weed, drink, steal, break into cars, fight. We would, Wait, who were you fighting with? If everyone. Such, you and your friends. Anyone? Yeah, really? me and my friends would go out and some. Like a lot of times, we didn't even plan it. It would just sort of happen because everyone Wait, was some, doing it. Sometimes you planned it. Occasionally, yeah. Like, How do you, you know, play? You you walk. Oh, up. you'd have a bunch of people, and one guy would walk over and elbow someone, knowing that they weren't going to back down because they were with all their friends. Right. And, you know, it works out, and just actually, I don't. Just bored kids yeah. being drunk and underage because you can drink at eighteen in Australia. So you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? Uh well, look, I think it's a good idea in the fact that in America, you can do porn, but you can't drink. You can go to war, but you can't drink. You can vote, but seems you can't backwards. drink. It seems a little retarded, yeah. if, you're gonna, if you ask me. Yeah. But at the same time... Although nobody wants their porn actors drunk, to be yeah, fair. exactly, yeah. We want them pretty clear-eyed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to see any sloppy... By the way, I've just, I decided this weekend that one thing you're that grosses... You're not doing porn anymore? Never again. Okay. Can I tell you the one thing in porn that grosses me out more than anything? Oh, you, so I, many things. Okay, okay, okay. It depends on which country you're talking about. America. <laughs> okay, American porn. Okay. Uh, you want to take German, a guess? Not German porn. German okay. porn, like everything, grosses me. <laughs> Holy fuck! American porn, what grosses you out the most? I'm, I, I don't know if I want to get into this because there's so much disgusting stuff. It, it's probably doesn't. It, I bet you for other people, it's not that disgusting. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Go on, tell me. I, I hate watching them kiss. 
Really? It's the sloppiest. They're t- uh, <laughs> That's their just tongue, how I kiss though. Their fucking tongue. Their really? mouth is wide open and both their tongues are out. Like, uh, <laughs> and what like, about when the girls do it together? No, no. I don't fucking. It's just. Uh, they're like licking each other's fucking face. It's so weird. Like, if there was a. A horse fucking a dude. I would watch that before <laughs> two porn stars kissing. Oh. I hate the tongue. Listen, when I'm in line at a movie Most theater old. and the people in front of me are like, nah, I, mm-hmm. I, I will tell them, hey, I can't look at your tongue. No. I can't fucking look at your so tongue. So you don't do that with your missus? Lick her face? Well, not lick her face, but get we, all real. We like, kissed. Passionate but, tongue. Yeah, but we don't, we don't mouth wide open. Ah, ah, like, on the on the topic, have you ever heard of an Australian kiss? No. It's like a French kiss. What is but it? But down under. Ah, how many times do you use that one? Oh, probably three times so far. <laughs> Has it worked yet? No, never. <laughs> I, let me just say, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't open with that one. <laughs> is that the one when they're walking away? By the way, just, yeah. in, case, just in case you didn't want to leave fast no, enough. No, it's the one just before they walk is away. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, your accent must work charms here i like to think it's my personality but your accent yeah it, it does yeah, helps a lot bad. doesn't it's it? not too bad because how many times you hear oh i love your accent yeah oh. <laughs> a lot of times but yeah. look i tried the use the witty banter and be charming and but the accent does attract people to you a little yeah. more so you get the opportunity to talk to people more which is what i love and then the robotics obviously. does the robotics okay does the robotics help hurt or neither as far as meeting someone of the opposite sex um it it doesn't hurt i think it depends on the person i definitely meet more people now but Mm -hmm. i'm sure at the same time it probably scares people away especially if i'm wearing shorts which i do most of the time because when i wear long pants you know you can you could probably deal with you know he's got a black robot arm and but you see, if you see the leg as well, it's like, oh, he's missing legs, he's missing arms. <laughs> it's a little too much for my brain. But you know what? I, I meet people everywhere I go. That's why I'm not even afraid of moving out to LA and not really knowing anyone. I just I meet people everywhere I go because. But you're good at that, though, dude. Were you, I'm not were too you good? See, that's the thing. Like for me, it's fascinating to me the most is how you say your personality changed. Dude, I was the guy that stood at the school disco in the corner not able to talk to anyone yeah you see when i'm the look the first time i met you there was none of that no so what is it do you think about the what do we call it an attack the incident what do you how do you refer it it wasn't the attack it was the military the the, the attack has advanced it a lot more because i've actually had to get out into the world and do public speaking you know that's part of my job i go and talk in front of a couple of thousand people and yeah. you know, it's just me and that's it. And I have to talk to them for an hour. So I've had to get used to that sort of uh, presenter, um, I don't know. How yeah, to, you, you just got to be the guy. Yeah, I got to be the guy. Yeah. But the military taught me confidence. It taught me that I was better than what I thought. I could do things that I never dreamed of being able to do. And that developed my confidence and it, it taught me how to be a real man. If, you're, if your son or daughter wanted to join the military. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No problems. Yeah, of course. I would recommend that they don't go the path that I went. Which is? Uh, so I joined as an infantry soldier. I was airborne infantry for five years, jumping uh-huh. out of planes with machine guns and doing sniper courses and stuff like that. And it's a lot of fun, but there's no future really in the outside world unless you want to go be a private military contractor. And then I changed to the Navy and did the clearance diving and bomb disposal and you know all that sort of stuff. And still, 
you know, it, it teaches you a lot about confidence and pushing past your boundaries, which turns you into a stronger person mentally and physically. But there's not a lot of, you know, civilian jobs like that. So no. I, I would recommend that firstly, they go be an officer. So you, you get paid to get a degree and then you can get a job that will, they'll actually teach you to do something that's useful in the outside world. And, you know, you don't even have to be an officer to do that. You can get a trade. They'll pay for you to get a trade that you can utilize in the outside world. Pay for it all. You'll, you'll build lifelong friendships. You'll have the opportunity to get fit, see the world. Americans have bases everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So you get the opportunity to travel. We don't have that in Australia. Do you still keep in touch with the guys who saved your life? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and have you ever sent them a Christmas gift and they were like, that's it, dude? Because you would <laughs> be dead. Do, we don't do Christmas <laughs> gifts amongst friends in Australia. We do, let's drink beer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've drunk lots of beer. Do, do you, uh, how many times have you been like, no, I should probably still get this one? <laughs> yeah, all of the time. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to get this one again. Yeah. Probably this one again. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- e- w- Wait, have so you one ever... of the guys actually had to stick his hand in my leg. So I know. He, I think he was having a lot more tr- trouble with dealing with it emotionally than, than what I did. How, how, what? Because once you got back up in the boat, and so we'll, I'll recap real quick. Uh-huh. You were doing a training exercise. You were in the water. You got attacked by a bull shark. Mm-hmm. The bull shark took half of your right arm. Well, no, it just took the hand. The hand. And, and basically, and my hamstring, and your hamstring, yeah. And then I lost the leg later because it didn't work. Because the hamstring is, uh, turns out something that people need. Yeah, exactly. Plus the sciatic nerve was gone, so I couldn't feel anything. So they ended up taking the leg, um, but my buddies had to keep me alive. So you get back in the boat. Mm. One guy is holding your artery in your leg. Well, not at that point. At that point, I passed out because I'm like, fuck, I'm didn't safe. Didn't you say somebody was slapping you in the face? Yeah, well, my buddy Tomo thought that I was going into cardiac arrest. So his training taught him he had to stimulate my heart. So he jumped on top of me, pounding me in the chest and woke me up. And I wake up and look over and my hand's gone. And I look up and my buddy's beating the shit out of me. And I'm just thinking, today sucks. <laughs> yeah. And from that point on, I'm, I'm conscious for the rest of the time. And really? One of the guys puts a tourniquet around my leg. The other one's driving the boat. And my mate Tomo's keeping me cognizant and focused and awake. And I just figure as long as I can see him, as long as I can hear his voice, I'm still alive. So that's all I focused on. And the boat's slowly filling up with my blood. We get to the wharf, which was about 10 foot above the water. So I had to kind of manhandle me up there. And my chief came down from the warship because he was on overwatch. How have you not bled out by this time? I nearly did. So my chief looks in the boat and it's an inch deep in blood. And he sees my leg and he can see the blood coming out of it. He realizes that if he doesn't stop the blood, I'm going to die within, literally within minutes. Yeah. So he locates the artery that's squirting blood. He grabs Lockie, who's the new guy. He's only been there like six months. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And he says, Lockie, you've got to put your hand in there and grab that artery. So Lockie sits there for 10 minutes with his hand inside my leg, pinching close this squirting slippery artery. Mm. When I do my presentations, this is about the time that people start to pass out. Yeah. So I've had 43 people pass how, out how in my dudes? presentations. 39 dudes. <laughs> only, only four women have passed out. 39 you know men. Because women, in a lot of ways, are tougher. To me, childbirth. Oh, yeah. And childbirth this... takes the cake with everything. Sure. Right? Yeah. So for me, childbirth, like, I know that I couldn't. No, I could never poop a pineapple. No. I, I, listen, there have been days when I've been like, <laughs> I think a pineapple's coming. <laughs> I need to drink more foods. <laughs> I should chew my food. I think that's a pineapple. <laughs> oh, no. Uh. Um, 
But so, my I also always want to know, like like you said, your buddy, the experience for them, did they end up more traumatized than you? And how does somebody go through something like this, and not be traumatized? I don't think you you can, except me. For That's some what reason. I mean. Like how? Like, I don't I don't know. I think I'm broken. I don't think I function the way that normal people function. Because you hear about all these people coming back from war or, you know, even much less worse things than war. And, and they have PTSD yeah. and they have anxiety and agoraphobia and all this stuff. I don't have any of it. You don't. It almost woke you up. Yeah, kind of. It's weird. Because when, okay, when you're laying in the hospital. And let's not, you know, this wasn't easy by any means. This was shit. This was the Dude. worst thing that's ever happened to me and I struggled for a little while that was my question when you're in the hospital how long you struggle and do you remember your moment of I'm not gonna let this beat me yeah I do um, it was just it was the day after I had my leg chopped off how, how far after the accident and, oh, this was a week a week after um, and I'd probably only been awake for three or four days uh, because they had me in an induced coma because my, my body temperature was going up and down. My body was swelling up. I was on so many drugs. Uh, and I think they... they oh, did you bloat? Did you balloon up? Yeah, yeah. My body blew up. Right. Um, but I had the leg for a week and then they the doctor came in and he broke it down for me and he did what I needed him to do. He didn't bullshit me and he gave me the choice, which is what I needed. I needed some control over this situation yeah. as well. And I think that's really important in any situation like that, to know that you have some semblance of control over it, even if it's just a simple choice. And so he, he broke it down for me and said, look, you can keep your leg or, or we can remove it. You can, if you keep it, we can cover it with a skin graft, but that chunk will always be missing. You'll walk with a limp, your happiness will suffer, your motivation will suffer, your fitness will suffer. Because you can't feel it, it could catch fire and you wouldn't even know. <laughs> Alternatively, we can remove the leg and have you walking, possibly running on a prosthetic within 12 months. And Why you know, do you use fire as an example? Because <laughs> I, think, I think that's like the greatest... The greatest semblance of pain that I you can imagine so. being set on fire. Yeah, I guess you wouldn't even know yeah, the worst like, pain in the world. Hey, your leg's on fire. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just when you're out randomly camping. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's on fire. Yeah. But um, he said, look, you can you you can keep it or you can have it taken off, and we'll put you a, a prosthetic on you. And I just I was so high on morphine and ketamine that I looked him square in the face and said, Doc, you can take my leg and turn me into a Terminator. No, you didn't. Say I that. did. I so did. He, he... Oh, with the accent and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me a day to think about it, but I, I decided pretty quickly. You know, and I, I didn't want to sit around uh, not being able to walk or walking with a limp and never being able to run and not being happy. I just wanted to get on with life. But so there, there has to be a, a big thing about this podcast, right? I always have people on talking about overcoming things because, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of times it's people in the entertainment business and it's, and how, what they overcame to get to where they are. But this to me is, is just a story that people need to hear because there's so many, it's hard not to say why me, mm. right? Yeah, why me, why me is the, is, is a, are two very dangerous words, right? right? Because you turn yourself into a victim as soon as you say, why me? You're the victim. And if you're the victim, you're not looking for solutions. Mm -hmm. So that's why I want, if you can articulate how you got out of why me, so people can, like, it's important. Like, if you get past what you went through, 
you know, people should be able to get up in the morning and get past everyday shit. Well, the, the first time really was after, like, when I had my leg removed and I was laying in my hospital bed thinking, okay, what now? What do I do? Yeah. You know, I, I had this amazing job that I fought tooth and nail to achieve. I put everything into it. I loved my life. I was traveling the world, shooting guns, blowing stuff up, jumping out of planes. I lived at one of the most beautiful beaches in the world and I rode a big black Italian sports bike. And 10 seconds, it's all gone. And I'm laying in a hospital bed with one hand and one leg just thinking, what now? Yeah. What do I do? I can, and I thought, well, look, I can, I can curl up in a ball and I can cry myself to sleep and I can say, why me? And I can say, whoa, is Paul, poor Paul, what am I going to, oh, my life's over and bitch and whinge and complain and have a shit life. And that's what it'd be, it'd be a shit life. Right. And I'm going to be alive for a while, so do I really want a shit life? Or I could look at all the great things that I still had in my life. I could look at the great things I still had yet to achieve. I could use all of that love and support that my family and my friends and my military buddies were all giving to me. I could use that instead of trying to push it away and I could have a good life. And when you weigh it up simply because we go through so many complicated situations and complicated choices in our lives that a lot of the time we've overcomplicated ourselves. So I broke it down to a simple choice. What do you want? Yeah. Do you want a good life or do you want a shit life? Everyone wants a good life. Because you only get one. You only get one You get shot. one fucking shot. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and it's, it's a progression. It's not like, okay, I'm going to have a good life and then a bad life, then a good life and a bad life. You're going to have that anyway, but you keep working on the good and the good and the good and, and make it grow and build on top of all those things. The bad stuff is going to happen. You can't escape it. Mm -hmm. You just don't let it get you down. You learn from your mistakes. You build the good on top of the bad, and that helps you achieve that dream life. So that was my very simple choice. What do I want? And then I just worked it out from there. What, what makes it so good? Right. You know, I'm laying in a hospital bed. I can't even go and take a shit by myself. I, I got to put this bedpan on. I can't do anything. How do I, where do I even begin? Mm -hmm. And I thought back to my life as a soldier and my life as a clearance diver. And I thought, well, you know, what made it so good? Why did I love it so much? And I thought, well, the first thing that we do every single day is PT, physical yeah. training. And I thought, well, why would I break a good routine? And there wasn't much I could do. I couldn't even get up, but I had this bar above my bed that, you know, you grab and you use to pull yourself up on. So two days after I had my leg chopped off, I started doing one-arm chin-ups on that bar. And that was the start. And then my buddies came in and we tied TheraBands, these plastic bands to the bars all around the bed so I could exercise and work my muscles and get the blood pumping and get sweating and start feeling like I was actually achieving something, even though it was the tiniest little step. Because that's, that's sometimes all it takes, that first tiny little step to give you that motivation to, to try what's next. You know, as soon as you, you achieve something small and simple, you can look back on that success and go, fuck, I've done that. What am I going to do next? Let's do something harder. It's why I've always, you know, when my kids used to get in ruts, any of my family, anybody, I always say, hey, you know what you should do for six months is write down goals every day. Yeah. Now. Or write down, even if it's not a goal, write down things to do. Mm -hmm. Even if it's things you know you're going to do every day. The act of checking it off 
makes you feel like you accomplished something. Exactly. Goals and challenges Goals. are integral in life. Oh, because otherwise you're just kind of floating. Yeah, stop making them just words. Yeah. Right? Actually go and do something. Actually go and do something. Write it down. And if it's a very complicated goal, you know, my goal, my impossible goal. What is the it? The reason I was doing all of that was to get back to work. You wanted and to get back in the military. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to be a clearance diver again. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. And most people didn't even believe that it was possible. And I don't think I did really. But that was the impossible goal. But so, you dive now. Oh, I went back after six months. I was full, working full time with the Navy as an instructor after six months because I had those challenges and those goals. I was ticking them off as I went, even if they were small, if, even if they were big. They, all those tiny little goals eventually became that big impossible dream. Is there anything in your everyday life? Well, it's funny. I was about to ask, but like, that, <laughs> putting it plastic. Is bottle. there? Is there anything? I would have got it eventually. <laughs> it's it, the right tool for the right job. Just use my teeth. Is there anything in your everyday life where you're like, "Fuck it, I, that's still something I just can't fucking do." Yeah, stairs. Oh, I cannot. Those motherfuckers. Yeah, running like on my blade, you cannot run up and down stairs. And just walking upstairs, walking down is not so bad, but walking right. upstairs Why? is easy because I have this special leg that you can, you give it a little flick back and it will step up, uh -huh. but you have to ha hold on to the handrail because the knee joint is what I'm missing. Yeah. And a lot of people, if you're, you know, if you're a below knee amputee, you're much luckier because you have your, your knee, which is an integral part of moving around, but I don't have the knee and they haven't mastered a way to replicate that yet. So oh, they haven't with the... With the um, prosthetics, they don't. Have, they haven't no. been able to figure that out. You no, know, it's like it's good. It's better than it's ever been before. Right. And I'm not complaining by any means because it's fucking fantastic. Do you have your Pistorius blade? I do, but he's below me. <laughs> no, I don't have any guns either. <laughs> I don't yeah. have a girlfriend to shoot yeah. either. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. You know the other thing, and, and then we can move on. I, you know what people have said? I've, I've heard people talk about when they have catastrophic injuries they're like you don't really even feel the pain mm. is that true well i, Are I you can't more... speak for anyone else but yeah I'm, fuck me i can't even describe to you how painful it is having your hand and your hamstring ripped out of your body I while was... you're watching it oh my god L listen i have to tell you and i've said this before and i've said this to you there's no doubt in my brain that you are a better person than I am. But, <laughs> did, we, did you not listen to the first part of our interview? Yeah, but I will tell you this. At some point, because you swam back to that boat with no yeah. hand and a missing part of your leg. Yeah. I might have been just like, you know what? Hey, everybody, go on without me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, checking out. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go ahead and not swim. Uh, well, look, when I was under the water, I, I did. You know, I, it was 10 seconds, a shark, it was tearing me to pieces, and I realized that I was helpless and I was going to die. Yeah. And that was it. No more. Not going home today. And I just stopped. I stopped fighting and I relaxed and I was okay with it. You know, that's the, that's the, the strangest thing that I've discovered about that whole experience is death is nothing to be afraid of. That might also explain your basic attitude right now. That, well, there's nothing left to be afraid of. Right. Because death is the thing that we all we all fear most. So, why are people scared of heights? It's not the height; they're scared of falling off and dying. Yeah, everything relates back to dying and death and injury. And there's just nothing left to be afraid of. I will tell you, for me, one of my biggest fears—not just shark, but bear or lion—it's being helpless. Mm. Do you know, like being tied up in someone's basement? Well, that actually actually was that kind is of a, fun. <laughs> <laughs> you've just given me something to be afraid of. 
fucking Yeah, Joshua. by the way, I was going to tell you, I need, to, I need you to check out something in my basement. Uh, but that is my, to be at the mercy of something that massive, mm. where you are, hell, you know, people are like, well, I'd fucking punch a bear in the face. Good for you. Yeah. It would not do anything to the yeah, bear. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that works too well. No. So for me, like that part right there of, of, of that helplessness, I think because I'm a control guy mm -hmm. and I, at the heart of it, I'm a control, like a control freak a little bit. That scares me more than anything. Well, even in those situations, you still have some semblance of control. That's the thing you have to hold on do to. Do you? Well, I fought back. Right. You have that control. You have the control of whether you're going to stop breathing, whether you're going to sink. And you just said it, you know, you would wave them off and say, see you later. Yeah. That's, that's your control. Mm -hmm. Your choice in that situation is, is your power. You know, I was thinking about you this week. Um, not in that way. Take it easy. Damn it. Uh, it wasn't in the shower. It was actually uh, <laughs> at, a, at a bowling alley. I was thinking about you this oh, week. Oh, man, bowling sucks. I was thinking about you this week because I was, uh, work I was doing a charity for sick kids, right? Good for you. But these kids who had been sick their whole lives have these amazing attitudes. Yeah. That these... was the, the, the sole reason that I'm a motivational speaker now is because I did a, a charity job for kids, my first ever presentation. It blew my mind, their attitudes and their strength. And also, like, look, their families also have to be equally strong. Oh, yeah. But I had a mom tell me, you know, he consoles me sometimes because he's stronger than me. And I said, why do you think that is? And she said, it's all he's ever known is yeah. to fight. All he's ever known is to fight. Mm -hmm. So he, it's not something so true. where he doesn't it's feel not sorry for ordinary. And he doesn't feel sorry for himself. Yeah. So and those he, kids can teach, you know, kids of today such amazing lessons. fucking mind. Obviously can teach adults lessons yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> it blew my mind. Like there were little things like no fucking... It's kind of hot in here. No one's going to turn on the AC. I was sweating and shit. It's kind of hot in here. No one's turn on. And here's this kid who's been fighting cancer. Hang on. Let me take out my IV. I'll go turn him <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> exactly. Did you really have that same experience with the, with kids? Yeah. So the first ever speaking job, I was there was only two things in my life I was scared of. Sharks and public speaking. You told me that, yeah. But this canteen camp for sick kids with cancer asked yeah. me to go and talk at one of the camps, and I turned up shitting my dax. I was scared. I was nervous. I was trembling. How long after the... Um uh, this was probably, probably two years after. Yeah. Um, because I was just working in the Navy at that point. So I wasn't really focused on speaking. I did have requests before that, but I didn't want to do it. But how do you say no to sick kids with cancer? Yeah. You're an asshole. So I you turn up. Yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> you're that guy for the rest you're of your life. Dick. Yeah. And I turn up yeah. there and there's these little kids and some of them are missing hair and some of them are very pale and they got IVs and one, one kid, 19 years old, he went to sleep one night. Woke up three months later. He had meningococcal, lost both of his hands and both of his feet. What is that meningococcal? Meningococcal. It's um, some sort of blood disorder that you can just randomly get. Wait, so he was... That's nice that when I fall asleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's yeah. fucking crazy. So 19 years old. The kid hasn't even lived his life yet. And now he's got no hands and no feet. And I was doing my little, the first presentation ever, so it was probably shit house. And going back to what you're saying about kids being strong and stuff, and I, at the end I said, you know, is there any questions? Would anyone like to ask me anything about anything, really? And they all thought about it for a second, and then one kid put his hand up in the air, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, fuck, what's he going to ask? And he said, um, so how much is your watch worth? 
<laughs> All right. And I'd, I'd taken off my hand, my robot hand, and I yeah. was passing it around. Another you were passing around your hand? Yeah. I yeah. love that. So, um, it would be great if you could have remote control. I know, that would have been great. Yeah. Uh, and I had it just jumping around. I had to grab a nipple yeah. like it did to me one day. It did grab it your nipple? It my nipple one day, yeah. Did it let go? No, it didn't. I had to rip it off. It was like giving yourself a nipple gripple that you can't uh, control. I've I didn't heard ha- nipple gripple. I didn't have it on. I had it in the back seat of my truck, and I was grabbing all this shit, and I just slid it under my arm. And as I did that, the fingers clenched up around my titty, and I dropped everything because it was so hard, and I've got this big black arm <laughs> swinging off my tit. Oh, God, it hurts. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone was watching that what shit? What a great video that would have been. <laughs> How you got half a black arm just squeak, oh. clenching down on your nipple. Yeah, that hurts, dude. How'd you get I wouldn't it? recommend it. No, but I'm going to try it at home. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to borrow my hand? No, I got one. All right. <laughs> Back in the dungeon. Yeah, but you know, like, every now and then I like tie myself up and pretend like somebody else is jerking me off. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I never told you this, but I have a very visual brain. Yeah, a vis- sorry very about visual that. <laughs> Jesus. Your poor missus. Yeah, she's... Listen, she puts up... She goes away a lot, doesn't she? She's actually in Atlanta. You know, she's a, she's directing a movie in Atlanta. Oh, summer. awesome. She's so far above my pay grade. Dude, you lucked out. I, mean, she, I remember when I first met her, I was like, no, really? Yeah. <laughs> Is this your sister? She's so far above my pay grade. It's not even, like, we were in Atlanta this weekend, and I said, um, so you, uh, you're you directing a movie? She goes, yeah, I'm really excited. I go, just out of curiosity, is this right around the time you leave me or is that happening <laughs> after the movie or how are we doing this? I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. She was like, why do you think I was like, well, you finally have everything you know, you want and uh, I'm still here. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that is in the, if that's and God bless you for <laughs> yeah. it too. I don't know. I keep, every, I wake up every morning. I'm like, she's still here. Hey man, I, I think you underestimate yourself. Well, the right. roofies help. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. The, the roofies help. Yeah. 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 And I, yeah. Uh, okay, so your the wristwatch and you're passing around. Yeah, and, and you know they're asking random questions. I was I was preparing myself for all these really emotional yeah. questions. And one guy, one kid asked, "Oh, are they the new Nikes? Have you ever killed anybody?" And then I walked out of there just thinking, you know what? I, for for thirty minutes, I made those kids forget that they were sick. Yeah. I put smiles on their faces. I made them laugh, and I can't tell you how amazing that made me feel. And in that moment, I discovered the secret to my happiness. Really? It was the gift of giving. Like, if it's, it, you can buy yourself all the shit in the world. You yeah. can go and bungee jump and skydive, and I love doing all that shit as well. But I'm never happier than when I'm giving something to someone else with no expectation of reward for myself. Because not only do you get to share in that person's happiness, but you get to make them happy as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I agree with that. You know, uh, you can't do it for everyone all the time. You can't no. go giving money to all these people at the, the stoplights and stuff. I gave uh, at outside Gold's Gym. There was a couple, homeless couple there the other day. And sometimes it just overcomes me and I have to do it. And I, I went over and I gave them 20 bucks for the 4th of July. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. And it just, I don't do it because I feel sorry for them. Right. I do it because I know that it'll make them happy and that makes me happy. Yeah, you know, I... Um, and I can afford it. You know? Yeah, I toured with a guy named Larry the Cable Guy. And yeah, uh, yeah, really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. heard of him. Well, yeah. not not in a long time, but no, I haven't turned. I I, I toured with him years ago. Okay, and he everybody he came into contact with, he gave a hundred dollar bill with. What? If you open the door for him at a hotel, hundred dollar bill. You grab his bag at the airport, hundred dollar bill. Was he loaded? 
he's he's not not not, not too bad off. He's doing all right. Oh, wow. Okay. Is he so, broke and, now? No, he he's not. He's not a cable guy. He's a comedian. Okay. Okay. I figured that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he must be a bloody good comedian. Very good comedian, an even better guy. But I asked him one day. And his name's Dan. I said, Dan, why are you giving these people a hundred dollars? And he said, a hundred dollars is nothing to me. Hmm. Did you see their face? Do you see their face? Yeah, what a do you good see? Clue. Do you see what a hundred dollars, which is the jet, is nothing to me, but to know what it does to their day mm. is worth. I would do. I'll do it for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so he gets paid a certain amount of his check in cash because he knows when he walks out of that place, that arena, that casino, he's tipping out thousands of dollars. Oh man! Anyone listening to this podcast now is going to be oh, going to his yeah, shows, opening doors. His shoes. And, yeah. <laughs> But uh, but I learned so much, but because it's just what you're saying, which is yeah. he was like, it's not about me. No, it's got nothing to do with me. This is, if you look at it in my part, this is a minimal gesture. I can afford this, but to know what it does for them yeah. fills me up. But it, the money thing—it doesn't have to be the money. And it doesn't that's have to the be thing money. It could be time. Have. Yeah, t- yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Time is the best thing. Just helping someone out. Just even your friends. You don't know what the per- people around you are going through a lot of the times. So, you know, if, if you can be a kind ear or a coffee and a chat or help someone up, help someone move, give someone a lift, a, a well done, a pat on the back, you know, some of those tiny little things that you do. Friendly hand job. Yeah, friendly hand job. Mm-hmm. Uh, reach around. Friendly hand job was actually my rap name. <laughs> <laughs> now open it up for Snoop Dogg. Friendly oh, hand job. Yeah, friendly hand job. FHJ. <laughs> um, so tell me about the Discovery Show you have. This is pretty. This is amazing, dude, to, to know where you, four years ago. It's bullshit. You How were, the hell did I pull this off? I don't know anything. Four years ago, you were just a guy who had been a guest on I just had a an show. In, I had an interview. Yes. And then I was a guest on a show, and then the next year they gave me a show. How does that work? But then it's grown from there. Yeah. And now, uh, well, actually what happened was... So, what happened was... Well, this year... I had uh, a show that I was doing called Sharks Among Us with this yep. really awesome doctor called Chris O'Connell who was um, creating this shark barrier and we're out in the Bahamas testing it out. But I also, d- on the side, did um, the behind-the-scenes filming and hosting for Blake Lively's new movie, The Shallows. So I went and met her and interviewed she's her. She's okay to and, look at. Yeah, she, oh, she's a really lovely girl. Mm-hmm. And she's okay to look at. Yeah, she, yeah she's pretty smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't want Deadpool fucking falling through the ceiling on top of me. You know? Right, yeah. yeah no, but I, I saw you got to interview her. and Yeah, so um, I just figured, look, you know what? I've wanted to move out there for a while. I've met so many nice people like Josh Wolf, and I'd love to just move out to LA and see what happens. And you know what? Two weeks after I made that decision, uh, I got a call from a producer who said, look, I've got this show. I'm going to pitch it to Nat Geo Wild, and we're going to give you your own show. And I just thought, fuck me, Really? And that's what started happening. It went down that track. And then Discovery Channel said, no, we don't want you to go. So there was counter offers and back yeah. and forth and back and forth. And I had to choose. So you know what? What's I, the show? I, I listen, well, it's, it's not a series. It's, it's just uh, they're giving me a whole bunch of Shark Week specials and hosting jobs and stuff like that with development money for my own series. What would you want to ideally? Like, because you do a lot of conservation work with... Yeah. Uh, I try I, as much as I can. As much as I get offered, I never sh- really turn anything away. For sharks, right? For everything, for the world. I was in Africa hunting poachers last year. Oh, I have for, some. For Nat Geo. I have a couple of enormous. First of all, how serious are is the problem we have with the with the ecosystem in the ocean? It's pretty bad. 
explain to me can you explain it in layman's terms so because sometimes i'll watch shows i'm like i wish i understood what they just said (laughs) (laughs) is that good or bad it's because it's not simple it's very complicated and multifaceted uh, there's not just one thing going wrong. So one. Why one, are there? Okay, let me ask you a question. Why? You know, when I see, go to Florida and I go deep sea fishing. Yeah. I see pictures of these people holding these enormous fishes, fish. But because as, they like to kill things. Right, but as they get that in, from the fifties, but as it gets the eighties, the fish are smaller. In two thousands, yeah. why are the, why is everything getting smaller? Because we have so many more people, which means more people to go out in the ocean killing these fish. More people for the commercial fisheries to feed. So they've got these super trawlers and they've got all more boats. So we, we are wiping the ocean out of its fish. And how do we stop that? We put more rules on, um, on, commercial, fishing? on commercial fishing. How uh, necessary you, you wake is that? Up the po- it's, it's essential. It's essential. How close do you think we are to being in, a, in some sort of crisis as far as me wanting to go? Because well, I actually... The, the Pacific bluefin tuna is 97% less in population than it was 50 years ago. 97 Is that what I get out of the can? Yeah. Yeah, tuna. Okay. If, if people can stop eating tuna for a while, it would be great. Just just minimize it. Don't eat so much because we, we don't need it. Right. You don't need to eat all that tuna. And if we don't, it's all going to be gone. And it's the same thing with sharks all around the world. People are wiping them out and cutting their fins off and... Going to catch where them is, for trophies. Where is finning still legal? Um, it's it's not it's not totally legal anywhere. Um, but isn't China still has? Well, we're still doing it in Australia. They're still importing it. They're still exporting it a little bit. But there's lots of rules on how much they can do. But they don't understand that it's not sustainable. No form of shark fishing and finning is sustainable because they're not like fish. They don't breed as quick as fish. They don't have as many. Uh, babies as fish do. Right. So we're wiping them down and we're wiping them down and we're taking the numbers down and they're going to be gone. And we're going to be the generation that has to tell our kids, oh, sorry, we fucked it all up. You remember, up. See, that, see that water? There used to be shit in it. Yeah, watch, there's, uh, no watch it. In there now. there's a really great movie called Shark Water. And this is a way that I like to learn. I like to watch all these documentaries because, I'm, like I said, I'm a visual person. Right. I like to watch and listen. Um, yeah, the, that's disturbing. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> Lots of I have binoculars tube. in my house. You yeah. might see me outside your window. <laughs> you never know. No, I use GoPro. Oh, <laughs> I can watch it later as well. And that way you can just have your head above the bushes. You don't actually have to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. You gotta, gotta. But then you've got other things about, you know, all the plastic in the ocean. They, they reckon within 50 years there's going to be more plastic in the ocean than fish. And the fish, are, you know, those little micro beads you get yeah. in your, your body wash, they're going into the ocean. The baby fish are feeding off them, and then the big fish are feeding off them, and then the birds are feeding off them, and you're getting all these birds that are dying, and as they decompose, you can see their stomach inside is full of Coke bottle lids. And Okay, so if you were going to say, <clears throat> for people, here are the top three things in your everyday life, so you don't have to go out of your way, mm-hmm. because that's the thing with people. People are happy to help if they don't have to go out of their way. Yeah. Would you? What would you say? The top three things people can do where the, where it doesn't won't really change their day to day in general. What would be the top three things people could do to help? Learn about sustainable seafood. Okay. We're just talking about oceans. Now, yes. Okay? Yeah. Don't litter. By the way, littering is my one of my biggest pet peeves. So much of that stuff that we throw on the ground or we let fall out of a, a trash can. That gets washed down the sewers. You fucking flick out to, of your car. Yep. That goes to the ocean. Is that right? Yeah. 
Okay, so don't litter would be number one. Mm-hmm. Okay, and don't eat tuna. Well, learn about sustainable seafood. What do you mean? Get, by that? get online, and um, there's a really great website called the Sustainable Table, and they don't just do seafood, which is an even better thing. They'll teach you all about which fish you should be eating, which fish not to be eating, uh, all types of different foods that are sustainabletable.com? really- Sustainabletable.com? The, the Yeah, really, really great information. Uh, they give you recipes. They make it simple. That's the goal, to make it simple. They'll give you recipes. They'll let you know which fish to eat. They'll let you know where to buy it. All your local produce. It's, it's fantastic. Um, third one is don't, don't kill sharks. Yeah. Don't eat flake. Don't eat sharks. You know, are people still eating shark? Oh yeah, people are going out and catching them and eating them, and all around Australia still they they still sell what we call flake, mm -hmm. and that's shark. But what? Um, okay, and so what? What do we need to do? Like I thought, laws have been passed where that is not legal anymore. Well, it's not, but those laws don't apply to certain countries. Uh, one of the the biggest exporters of shark fin is Indonesia. And as we know, Indonesia is very corrupt. Yeah. Very They're a little loosey-goosey with the laws. Yeah, yeah. very, very loosey-goosey. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of those Asian countries, unfortunately. You know, I don't like to just put the blame on one area, but right. they are an issue. The, the Asian culture is absorbing all of the rhino horn, all of the ivory, all of the, the shark fins for what, shark What fin are they soup. doing with the rhino horn? They powder it down and use it in, um, in you know, Chinese medicine. But what do they do with the rhino? They leave it there to die. And that's uh, what I was doing in Africa. We were out there hunting poachers to stop them because the, the rhino gene pool is getting so small that even if we save all of the rhinos we have left, they still might not be able to mate to breed again. Wait, Because their wait, offspring wait. will be related. They, okay, they shoot them? Yeah, they'll go out there. So a lot of the, a lot of the times, what cut off is the, the fucking yeah. The Asian cartels will pay someone to go out, uh, whether they be Asian or European or African locals. They'll go out there with a high-powered rifle. They'll hunt down the elephants and the rhinos and the tiger. Uh, the sorry, the lions, and they'll shoot them. And then they'll go and cut off the pieces that they want. And then they'll find a way to ship it home and export it. And they leave the animal there. To and die. they leave the animal there to die. And that is not legal. That is not legal. Robert Mugabe, president of Zimbabwe, legalized shooting and killing poachers on sight. Fuck you, really? Yeah, yeah. Wait, so there are people out there actually hunting the hunters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of my buddies, ex-Australian clearance diver, he uh, he went, ended up going and fighting in um, that uh, is... Iraq as a private military contractor for about 12 years. And then he went on an, a uh, safari and he saw a rhino with its face hacked off. And it touched him so much, he went out there and started the International Anti-Poaching Foundation to assemble the, the rangers and teach them paramilitary operations to go and hunt these rangers. And that's what they did. And that's what you did? That's what I did. And so t can you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. It was fucking hard That's... work. I'm trying to keep up with these rangers I've got. So I'm using my running blade so I can right. keep up with them. I've got a. Can we a, call it the Pistorius? No, I don't want to be associated with that. <laughs> I'm kidding. That dude's got issues. Yeah, he does have a couple. He's going to have some more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I go out there and I went and uh, did. Uh, How many guys are doing it? And this is all being filmed? Do you have a camera crew with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got How a, big's the crew? Full... So we had. Uh, 
two camera guys, a director, a producer, and a sound guy. And then um, 10 rangers and my buddy Damien Mander, who is like the head guy. Yeah. And we go out there and we go through a bunch of training. They take me out on a patrol to see if I can keep up. We go through unarmed combat training. So I'm fighting two of the rangers at once. Um, I held up pretty well. Just in case what? Just just so we know how to fight. You know, okay. How, when, if shit turns to mud and you've got no weapon and two rangers are attacking you. How'd you do with that? Well, I had my fighting arm on. I have a fighting arm as well. Is that, does it have a fist? It has like this grappling hook on it. So I, I like, what? Yeah. So your fighting arm has like a hook at the end of it? Yeah, I'm telling you, are a Bond villain, dude. Like you, <laughs> <laughs> you need a lighter at the end of one. Yeah, I know. A flamethrower. I, I, I asked for Wolverine calls. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do it. Stupid yeah, military. Freddy Krueger. You yeah. could have got okay. So we did that. They pulled off my leg and my arm fell off. I still had both of them in a headlock under my arm on the ground. During the fight, they pulled During, off your leg. Yeah, it wasn't intentional, that but seems like I held movie. my own. Yeah. And, you know, we did things like uh, we're going to go out in the bush. So I need to know about the the deadly snakes and stuff. So they give me a five minute lesson on how to handle a deadly black mamba, and then I've got this snake that could kill me. I'll die in forty five minutes. And I was, you know, how you wait? You, did they put it in front of you? Yeah, it was just me. So I'm like raking it, you know, the big steel poles that yeah, they yeah, have. Yeah. So I'm raking it back towards me as it's trying to get away, which seems silly to be raking the snake towards me, but that's what they told me to do. And then I pick it up. So I've got the pole in my robotic hand and I turn off the hand so that it can't open and I won't drop it and let the snake go everywhere. So right. I turn it off. It's locked around this pole and I've got the tail in my left hand, in my real hand. Where's and the I, head? Right down the other end of the pole. I've got a, sort of got it scooped up. How long is the snake? Uh, the snake is about six foot long. The pole is about five foot long. And how much and shit I, was in your underwear at that time? A lot. Well, <laughs> not as much as when my wrist unit collapsed because the snake was too heavy. The wrist twisted. The pole went on the ground. The snake went on the ground, went off the pole and started climbing up the pole towards me. No! So I can't drop the pole at this point because I've turned my hand off. So I'm doing this funky black mamba snake dance all around the grass trying to get it to you know come off the pole it's coming right at you everyone's yelling at me drop it i can't drop it it won't let go of the pole yeah. so I'm, I'm doing this crazy <laughs> snake dance around trying to get it eventually uh, i sorted it out how what do you mean you sorted I, it out? i pulled i pulled the snake off the pole it dropped to the ground and i scooped up the head again and just sort of held it there so how deadly is a black mamba it will kill you in 45 minutes you're dead. Is that the most deadly snake? It's the most deadly snake in Africa, I think. I'm pretty sure. Now, it, it, did it ever, I mean, if you were in the wild with no pole, mm. would you use your arm as kind of the lead? A, a fending device? Yeah, yeah as I the would, lead? Yeah. yeah, or my leg or your as leg. well, yeah. Because then you could probably, once it strikes, you could probably... The only problem with that is that snakes usually go for the dark hole. And a lot of times when a snake is coming towards you... By the way, that's, you, my, that's my best sex move. <laughs> the dark hole. Yeah, I always go for the dark hole. I always go for the dark hole, too. <laughs> that's, my, that's my move. Yeah. So for the potential yeah. girls out there, don't go bleaching. If you yeah. want some Josh no. Wolf action. Need the dark hole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when a snake is running towards you, generally what it's seeing is the, the shadow in the trouser leg of your pants. Is that right? Yeah. So they'll go for the shadowy spot because they want to get out of the sun. They want to hide somewhere. So they'll see a hole. They'll go for it. So generally speaking, they'll go up your trouser leg. Do you know what, um, 
You know which, what I, I, which terrifies me. Oh, that's why you wear shorts. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what somebody told me when I did that Naked and Afraid? I did, you know, Naked and Afraid that show on Discovery, mm-hmm. and I did their after show. You know what one of the experts told me? I, he said, you know, if you don't want to get bit by a snake walking through the jungle, have you ever heard this? Always be third. And I go, what do you mean? Yeah. He said, if you're first, unless you step right on the snake. Yeah. But if you're walking down a path and the snake is near the path, first guy startles it, second guy gets a warning, third guy gets bit. Really? And I, I said, really? He goes, yeah, so third or fourth is usually where you don't want to go. That's where the new guys go. Okay. <laughs> and I said, really? He goes, yeah, yeah. Because everyone else knows. Everyone else knows. <laughs> I said, what happens when you're, on a, on a, when you're in the jungle with people who know? And you're like, well, then you travel in twos usually. Yeah. Because, but that's the third, I had never heard that, but the third or fourth they told me because- Yeah, I never heard that either. They don't teach us that shit in the army. <laughs> no. And we're out in the Australian bush where there's some there's deadly snakes, snakes as aren't well. There? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few, but I've never even heard of anyone getting bitten there. My buddy got bitten when we were on deployment in a place called East Timor. He got bitten by a bamboo viper. It's Is just, that bad? He had a little bit of muscle deterioration, but he lived. Where, what, when, that's, when you say muscle deterioration, that means like it's complete atrophied? Or deterioration? Yeah, deteriorated. It's, it had a little bit of, uh, what do they call it, um, necrotizing fasciitis. It's where your That's muscle just deteriorates. That's what I would have said too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Necrotitis, fasci- ne- ne- Necrotizing fasciitis. And your muscle just deteriorates. Yeah, it just gets eaten away a little bit. But I, I don't think it was too much. I think, I think he's fine. <laughs> I hope, James Gunner, I hope you're all right. I hope you're okay, James. Okay, yeah. so you're in the bush. My biggest problem was I called in the medivac with the chopper and I was standing too close to the backdraft and it blew me down the bloody hill with my radio pack on. The helicopter did? Mm. Blew you down a hill? Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Did they laugh at you? Yeah, everyone laughed at me. <laughs> it was the middle of the night as well, and I, so I had the glow sticks attached to me, so I just looked like a raver rolling down the hill. <laughs> a little too much Molly that yeah. night, oh, right? Oh, shit, help me, Lord. What was your rap name again? Paul. There goes Paul. All right, so you... Go bring me back to the bush with the poachers. Did you guys catch a poacher? Yeah, we only caught fish poachers though. Um, generally, a lot of the time they'll come into the reserve under um, false means. So they'll pretend like they're fishing and they'll come in and they'll stash AKs uh, in caves or by the waterway in plastic bags so they can come back later and grab them and then go out hunting. Um, so we, we caught some guys fishing inside the reserve. They tried to run away and we thought we were, they were doing that, but, um, they ended up getting arrested anyway for fish poaching, but so not the guys we were after. Have anyway. your guys, the guy, you know, has he caught any poaching? Oh, yeah. And when yeah, I say lots. caught, are they shooting? They're not shooting to wound people. I, he was very, he's very politically correct these days, which surprised me because he was never that be way. Pre- well, you don't have to be, but being the white Australian foreigner guy in right. Africa, if you start killing people, you're going to draw a lot of attention to right. yourself. Okay. And okay. They, these poachers aren't just targeting the rhinos, they're targeting the rangers and they're targeting the families of the rangers now. Wait, wait, wait. They're shooting rangers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably a thousand rangers a year will die. And they're going after families. Going after families as well. It's like a drug cartel. This is this is a really really dangerous business. It's lots and lots. There's more money involved in the rhino horn trade and ivory than gold and heroin. Okay, uh, maybe I don't know how much money they're getting for one rhino horn. Uh, was it? They, they told me I'm trying to. F- I mean, how many to... rhino horns are they going home with to make it worth a trip? Uh, they said that a rhino is getting killed every eight hours. And how are? are are they making like, th- these rhino horns are worth a 
fortune, but like tens they, of thousands. Uh, I think one horn you can sell for about $600,000. Holy one fuck. One big horn, yeah. Are they making gains at all with the poachers, or are the yeah. poachers just coming back in bigger numbers? Yeah, no, they are making gains, and it depends on the security training. The guys in um, the national park that I went and trained with, with the, the IAPF, they started with three rhinos, and then they ended up with seven, and they haven't lost a rhino. So there's not many uh, areas that can even claim close to that. I, I mean, I don't obviously I'm not trained, but I'm assuming so what you would do is you would stay close to the rhinos. They, yes. they have a sniper on the rhinos most of the time. Just to make sure. Yep. That's a lot of work. It's hard work. And, you know, out there in the African sun and then all night long, and they've got lions attacking them. We came back from a patrol. Who has lions attacking The rangers. So I was quizzing them about what they did because they went out on a 48-hour patrol. And right. they're out there at night just trying to cook their feed and stuff. Are they on foot? Yeah. Yeah, they're just on foot. In the, and, and in like, the jungle? Yeah. This is the wild. Like, you don't get any wilder than this. So we, we drove down 22 hours down some of the worst roads in Zimbabwe to get to this place called Bumi Hills. And there is crazy shit out there. There's yeah. herds of elephants and lions. And we're setting up camp. And they've and what, got this what is tiny the little to white... You? To people? Well, I think it depends on how close you get. They didn't bother us. So the elephants can be really, really dangerous if you get too close. Well, because they can run through everything. Yeah, yeah. They'll just turn your car into tinfoil. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah they're so, but, you don't, you can't imagine how strong they are and how big they are until you see them one on one and you just go, I'm fucking nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it is so, it is scary. I was at my friend's house at home base and he's got this big waterway right by his house, probably 100 meters, um, 300 feet. Yeah. And he had all these rocks around the house. And I said, well, what are, what are, you've got all the boulders around the house for? And he goes, oh, because the hippos were coming up to the house and they won't walk on the boulders. And the hippos will kill you. The and hippos, will, are they aggressive? They don't want to eat you. They just, they're very territorial. And at, uh, say, 7 o'clock at night when the sun goes down, they will walk out of the waterway and they'll walk up to five kilometers inland. So what's that in miles to say three miles yeah. inland looking for the good grass to eat and if you get caught between where they're going and anywhere else they will kill you so they'll come back down to the water about five o'clock before the sun not, comes not up. eat you no they'll not no, eat you they'll just kill you because they're so territorial more people die from hippos than fucking lions is that true yeah in boats, you, you're nodding your head too, Aaron. In boats? In in boats, on land. One of the rangers that we had there, a white guy, big South African guy, actually got, he was running away from the hippo and it came up behind him and scooped him up in its mouth and he's got these two scars on either side of his stomach where the, the teeth sliced into him. All, all the guys make a joke that the only reason that it put him down was because he did a shit in its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I would have done it, yeah, mouth. yeah. Wait, so it lifted him up and let him go? It lifted him up. Ooh, it, it, I guess it just sort of shook him around and threw him and just kept going wherever it was going. So are they more powerful than rhinos, hippos? Uh, or different kind of? They're pretty on par, I would say. Uh, hippos are faster in the water. I remember... They can run too. They can? On land, yeah. Not for very long, but they can sprint. They will catch you. No dramas. And they don't like to ro walk on rocks? A bunch of fucking pussies. Yeah, like... But they got boulders. tender feet? But, I'm, you know, this is nighttime, and... I'm walking out to go to the Thunderbox, which is the toilet. That was my nickname in high school. The Thunderbox? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flashback. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, 
leaving the house, a little enclosed area, and there's gleam of light from one light bulb, and then the toilet is in the dark. And I took one step out into the light, and I looked at the dark in the toilet, and I just thought, everything here wants to eat me. I can wait. Yeah. I'll wait till morning. Yeah. Yeah. Or I just pee in a I bottle. Just, well, yeah, I just, I just released some tension. I just stood there in the light and peed. But even that, <laughs> you're thinking, how fast can a, a lion move? You wouldn't even know. You just hear the roar, see the That's face, and you'd like, be dead. The, you don't know if a if a lion's there and it wants you dead. You don't know. You don't know if there's a snake there. You don't like. So those guys, you said they got attacked by lions. Yeah, I've never felt more vulnerable in my life because literally everything there wants to eat you. And can. It's very grounding, though. Like, I didn't really feel like leaving Africa. I, I wanted to stay. It's something, it's something about the place that really gets under your skin. It's very bizarre. Is it grounding because you realize that you're minuscule in the grand scheme of things? And there's so many... Um, and, and on this planet, we are... Even though people think that we're... Uh, and we are. The kind of running predator. shit. Yep. Yeah. But there's... So many more powerful things. It definitely takes you back to basics. Does it really? Yeah, when you're back there, yeah. It's it's an incredible place to be. And I don't know if it was just because it was new and you're discovering all these new animals and a new way of living and life and cultures yeah. and things like that. But I really didn't feel like the, the two weeks that I was there was long enough. It, and when these guys got attacked by lions, what They happens? just held their ground. How do you hold... What do you mean? So, they, but they don't the, shoot the lion, them. The, no, they don't shoot them. No, the, the, as they described it to me, these animals are part of their family. Right. And that's why they protect them. And that's why they risk their lives because that is their family. And it's their legacy to their children as well. So the lion approaches them and what do they do? Scream and growls, at them? And I'm like, what? Yeah, it's what I'm saying. What the fuck did yeah, you do? Yeah, what did you do? What did they do? Did, did it, was it just scaring you? And he's like, no, he wanted to eat us. And then what did they say they did? Uh, they had their weapons and they grabbed fire sticks and they waved it off and it took off. And then they went somewhere else. Yeah, home. <laughs> With a door and a lock yeah. and a bottle of An fucking tequila. Fence. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a crazy place. It, 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 that's amazing. I, I, You've got to go. I've always wanted to. Yeah, if you get the chance to go to Africa, go to fucking Africa. It is incredible. I've also always wanted to, and you and I talked about this, I've always wanted to dive with the great whites mm. um, because it conquers two fears for me. I'm, I'm petrified of the ocean. Why? It goes back because I think the ocean is the single most powerful thing on the planet. You're scared of the ocean or you're scared of dying? I, th I think we go back to the power and being out of control. Yeah. And because to me, the ocean is might as well be outer space. That's the way I look at it. There's so many things that we have no, right? No, yeah. I mean, what percentage of the ocean do we know anything about? Not much. Not much, right? No. Just basically the, the yeah. top layer. We just can't get there. Right. We can't it, spend that enough time exploring it. It's, 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 so the power, and I think it is the most powerful thing on the planet. The ocean is a fuck. If it wants you, mm. it it's it. I mean, how many millions of well, it lives? Washed, it washed away half the beaches in Sydney two weeks ago. How many millions of people do you think have died in the oceans? <laughs> right? <laughs> There's something to Google. Gazillions. Think about <laughs> Gazillions. all the boats that have fucking gone down. Oh yeah. Well, you know, we've only discovered a, a quarter, not even a quarter of the shipwrecks around the world. Yeah. So for me, and and because there's so much unknown, and because, and again, and. And I'm not the strongest swimmer in the world, but because somebody, and it might have been you, no, it wasn't you, but maybe Andy, who told me, I go, have I, am I, if I've been in the water over in Santa Monica, have I been close to a shark? He goes, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, you've been within four feet of a shark. Yeah. There's heaps of great whites over there. Yeah. That's what it's he like said. A, it's a great white thoroughfare up and down there. They're all over at Catalina. They all head down the coast of Mexico. But it's the juveniles in Santa Monica. Okay. <laughs> keep telling yourself that, buddy. Well, that's what he told you me. You know what? I'd, I'd be more concerned about the juveniles because the juveniles are still learning to hunt. And they're the ones that will come up and take a bite. And Andy and I saw this when we were filming uh, back in Australia. The, the, the great white sharks that were two metres to three metres long were using these mutton birds as target practice. And they weren't even eating them. They'd come up from underneath, stalk it. And you could see it stalking it, come up from actually behind. It knew which way the bird was facing. Came up from behind, came to the surface, put it in its mouth, say, yep, I've got it, and then let it go. I went back down. So they use, they use it for training, for hunting bigger prey. Are they smart or instinctive? Both. Oh, they're smart. When, when you go and do this cage diving, pay close attention to the guys throwing in the bait because there were so many times that I saw the, the bait handlers throw the, the gills and all that stuff into the water and be watching and waiting and the shark would come up nice and slow and they'd pull it away and the shark would be like, yeah, whatever, fuck with and then he'd throw it again again, he'd be paying attention, and then the shark would come up and have a little go and go, yeah, you fuck it, pull it away. But then the third time or the fourth time, the guy handling the bait, throw it in, look away, and the great white shark would come through like a fucking locomotion and take that bait straight. Really? Yeah. They watch, they know. They, there's, some, there's a lot more intelligence going on in there than we, than we realize. And the great white sharks would do this thing called spy hopping. You heard of that, I'm sure. Uh they'll come they'll stick their head out of the water and look around and they can see just as well outside of the water than, as they can underneath so they'll look up at you and you can see them like thinking i could get that guy <laughs> so many times oh yeah i could hit that yeah, yeah i could get that yeah. last year i got in a kayak God, it's so stupid did you watch the show last year yeah i got it you know did you see the the shot where i was about to get in yeah. the kayak yeah 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 I was in the fucking kayak. They, they cut it, I think, because they might have got in trouble if they didn't do it that way. But I was in the kayak out 10 metres out the back of the boat for about five minutes waiting to put this fin cam on. And there was a shark at the other boat jumping half its body out of the water. And I was just thinking, don't be a pussy, Paul. Don't be a pussy. You got this. By the you way, not doing that does not make you a pussy. I know. Aaron, does no. that make, doesn't no. make him a pussy, does it? Uh -uh. <laughs> but we cool. discussed it the night before. And the, because the kayak already had holes in it from a shark biting it and sinking it. So, so you were like, why not take this one out again? Yeah, it's, we, we gaffer taped over the holes so it wouldn't sink that way again. Oh, and I, like it weighed fun. on me all night. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, it'd be great. We've got to get this film cam on. It'd, it'd make a great shot. Come on, Paul, don't be a pussy. And so I get up in the morning and everyone's asleep. I pull the kayak out of the water, empty all the water out of it, put gaffer tape on it, put it in. And I'm like, go get the camera. We're doing this. And I get the fin cam and the paddle and I'm on a rope attached to the boat and I'm out the back of the boat with my paddle and my red kayak that the shark's already eaten. And I'm thinking, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm all right. And then a shark 150 metres away jumps half its body out of the water and the guy in the submersible at the back of the boat goes, get the fuck out of the water. Get out of the kayak. There's a fucking massive shark under you. Bro, I could have been an Olympic canoeist. Really? Y'all. I How fast? So quick, and I didn't realize. Like he put the panic into me. I was calm till then. I'm thinking I'm going to get this fin cam on. I'm good. He put the panic in my soul, and I went boom, 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 rolled onto the back deck of the boat out like that. And hindsight being what it is, are you glad he put the panic into you? 
it was probably the smart probably thing to do. a smart Pro- thing to do smart. and and then so we hung Andy in a canopy uh, a harness over the water instead I like can tell fucking, you Andy has done some like a piece of bait. fucking crazy shit yeah he's really done yeah. some crazy shit so the next couple of shows that I'll be doing are, are going to be with him he so told me though team Pandy back together Paul <laughs> yeah. Andy he told me that he changed a little bit when he had a kid did he tell you that oh I can imagine. I'm he, sure. He told me that the well, he's got two now. Yeah, he told me the way he dives and the and the risks he takes are a little different. But I don't know how different that is because he actually gets in the water with great white sharks with no cage. That's the thing that people. So don't... winding it back a little bit for Andy isn't that much. <laughs> you know, he told me he goes. You know what I think? What would happen? I go. Well, what happens if a great white starts to swim at you? He goes. I think I'd swim right at it. Yeah. That's what he told me to do as well. And I said, have you tested that? He goes, well, it's just a theory right now. <laughs> and I was like, uh... He goes, I don't know what else to do. I'm like, well, I guess. He, the way he described it to me was that they are um, ambush predators. Yeah. So they like, like, just like I told you about the bird, they like to sneak up on things. They, want, they love an easy feed. So they'll come at you knowing you're not watching. But he said, you turn around and it's sort of like, Oh shit! I've been busted. Yeah, the shark doesn't know what to do and goes, "Hey, I'll just go this way." <laughs> he tries to keep it cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so. like when you're trying to scare somebody and they turn around and see you. You're like, "Oh, come back later." <laughs> um, so I think that's what I'd do as well. But you would have to have the wherewithal to see that big fucking thing swimming at you and, and go. That's the problem because they're really sneaky. So his wife, Emma, almost got her head bitten off by a tiger shark. Did what? he tell you that? No. Yeah, so he was probably 15 feet away from her filming, and she was filming as well, facing the other direction. And this tiger shark snuck up from behind her, went vertical, and went to chomp her whole head. And just to that point, she moved her head to look down and behind her, and it missed her head and swam away. Are you? And Andy was watching it all. Did he get it on camera? No. He was kind of, I think it was, so his she, camera was on the ground at the, that point. The shark went out of the water? No, no, no. She was on the bottom. Oh, she was yeah, on the she bottom. Was on the bottom filming. So I went above her and went down and went to snatch her whole head off. Holy So you fuck. Ha- you have to be so careful. And that's it, why, like, I mean, you see Aaron's shaking his head, but that's why <laughs> I don't have do enough eyes. <laughs> no, I don't have enough eyes either. And uh, you, by so the you way. Gotta, you got to have safety divers with you. We did it in um, Fiji. Yeah, I told and, you what my nickname is underwater, right? What's that? Brown Cloud. <laughs> because that's basically what's happening. It's all fun dick jokes here on the yeah, Joshua. <laughs> um, I love but, it. But uh, who was the guy who was on the show? I'm not sure I want to know. Yeah, that's not a good but he, <laughs> but he tickled the shark's nose. I did that in the Bahamas. And stood it up straight. Yeah. Oh, there's a, I can't remember his name, Juan, I think. But, but so he does you did it with that? the massive tiger shark. He did it with a tiger. Like yeah, 14... and then puts, yeah, puts him up vertical and balances him on his hand. What's the theory behind that again? The tickle of the nose is like a. It's called, um, shit, I had it in my head a second ago. Uh, now I'm trying to think about it. I won't remember. But it's how did it... tonic? It's called tonic immobility. Right. And what they do is that the gel sacs that are in the shark's nose that they use to detect electromagnetic impulses are very sensitive. So if you overstimulate them, the sharks go into this catatonic state, and you can pretty much do anything you want with them as long as you keep rubbing on that nose. Right. And so I did it with a, a reef shark in the Bahamas and just sort of held it there on my lap for maybe a minute and how a big? half. Uh, probably two meters, um, so six it, foot, six it, foot. Richard. And it just sat there. It just sat there in my hands. I just fiddled with the nose. It and when amazing. you let go of it, it just swam away. Yeah, just swam away. Did it? Does it come to right away? Yeah, pretty much. 
And so he's so like, they wake up and you go, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, oh, where, where, where am I, I again? Was, all right. What a great yeah. nap. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw him tip, it was like a 12 foot shark. Massive. On his hand. Yeah, know? I saw that too. Incredible. I would love to do that. But how do you get that close to that shark to have that shark let Those you guys do know that? those sharks. They dive there all the time on a daily basis. They have names for the sharks. They know each and every one individually. Really? That's why they can do it. Do sharks have personalities? So if, oh, they, yeah. if they know the sharks, they're like, that guy is one not to get close exactly, to? Exactly, yeah. Really? Yep. Every shark has its own individual personality. But don't they all have that killer instinct to hunt? They do and they don't. Well, if they're hu if they're hungry, if yeah. they need food, then they're going to hunt. Right. But they, they don't see these guys as food. They know that when they come, they'll get food, but they're not going to achieve anything by biting these people. So like Andy told me that the, the sweetest great white shark that he's ever encountered is in Guadalupe. It's the biggest female he's ever seen. How and big? every time, uh, I think she's probably twenty foot. Oh, she, like how much biggest. is a twenty foot shark? Great white? Oh, probably two ton. Holy shit. Yeah, they're yeah, enormous. Thousand pounds. You, you, you That's cannot, amazing. You cannot fathom how big these sharks are until you see them with your own eyeballs. A 20-foot, two-ton living thing. Whenever it comes through, all the other sharks piss off. And he said all, all she does is she comes up and rubs herself up against the cage, and the, he, he can swim with her. Really? Yeah. It's incredible. It blows me away. That, that is, and people think of them as killers and right. murderous, and they're just another animal trying to survive. It's no different to the bird eating the ant or the wasps killing a spider. Right. It's just that's you know they eat, they kill things. Everything in this, on this planet kills things. It's just that sometimes they mistake us for food at a very, very, very low rate. Yeah, you know that would be the difference is what I would say between a shark and like a crocodile. Oh yeah, crocodiles Cro want to eat you. And they're fucking aggressive. Yeah, we had someone die a couple of weeks ago. These crazy but women fast too, went aren't they? swimming in a waterway at night. Will a croc come get you? Oh, yeah. They croc will, right? Croc crocs have been shown to be able to learn time so that they know what time of day, if you have a pattern of what time of day you go down to the water to collect your water, yep. it will wait for you at that time. Yeah, they're like, because to me, they're the closest thing to a dinosaur we have. Oh, yeah. But they are, uh, I've sneaky. read stories, sneaky, smart, yep. and aggressive as fuck. Yeah. Now, that's and not. The, and the things that they do to you, too. Like a shark will bite you and let you go. Right. Or, you know, very rare occasion might eat someone. But a crocodile will grab you, do that death roll thing, tear you all apart, and then go stick you under a log for a week until you decompose and get soft enough to eat. No. Yep. Oh, they're like they're like a crazy mass murderer. Oh, man. <laughs> they're like fucking Wild Bill in in the <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Holy shit, is that yeah. true? Oh yeah, they're vicious. Yeah, and then you guys have got like the crocs in Australia are usually pretty far away from people. In Darwin, they've had a bit of a problem with them, but you've got massive gators in Florida where people are living. Did like, you see little, the video a couple weeks ago of that kid, gator running across the golf yeah, course? Yeah. That was a he dinosaur. Was a, was that was a enormous. fucking dinosaur. <laughs> if you're an alligator, and I think that was an alligator. If you're an yeah, alligator that big, you know what you're scared of? Nothing. nothing. No. That looked like a 20-foot dinosaur. I didn't even know they got that big. I no. thought I thought saltwater crocodiles were the biggest thing, but that was on par. That was massive. I told my brother, I go, there's a person in there. Oh, like, there's man. no way you get that big. That's a fat, uh, that's a fat fucking alligator that's been eating something. That's, and it's cool as shit. 
That's what I, I think it's awesome. Like we're not killing these animals so much that they can't get to their capacity. I think it's an amazing thing to have. Oh, the alligators real, yeah, in like Southern re- Florida. Yeah. Real life monsters still on this planet. We haven't killed them all yet. I no, think it's fucking incredible. I'll tell you something. That's For whatever reason, and I don't know if it's because there's nothing to get from them as far as for our gain, but there's not like a, a bunch of gator hunting. Do you know Hand, what I mean? Handbags, belts, shoes. Yeah. They farm crocodiles in Australia for that sort of stuff. I'm sure they do it here as well. I guess they have the boots and shit, right? It's just yeah. a Houdini of gators just escaped There's all the so traps and them. snares. You don't want to go out of those fucking swamps. Ooh, they, I they do, breathe. but I, don't, I just don't want to go Have you never water. been down there in those swamps? I've, I've been to New Orleans. You need to go into the day. Have you been on one of those big, what are those boats? With the boat. big, yeah. yeah, that's what we did in New Orleans. That was really cool, but I wanted Florida. Apparently, is the place to be. Yeah, there's no, there's, yeah, they get, and they have all the sharks down there too. They got some big snakes down there too. Yeah, those Burmese pythons. Yeah, yeah. The, I heard that they migrated all the way up to New York. Well, They're yeah. a very invasive species, the Burmese python. Well, you know, people find them in their fucking living. Do you need another yeah. water? Oh, I'm good for now. Are you sure? Yeah. Um, Aaron, you looked. You've looked over a couple times. Did you want to say something? Oh, I was going to say. I think. I think gators just they mate and replicate a lot more than sharks and that that sort of thing. So they keep their populations healthy. More than likely, yeah. Yeah. Because they lay a bunch at once, you know. Paul, what is it? Oh, my Lord. This is, You've been here for almost two hours. Holy shit. How long does your podcast go for? Well, we're about to end it. <laughs> um, what, Time for a beer. What is For me, I, I have have not for you. you got to go for a meeting. Tell me, like, because... We would have been drunky drunk oh by now. Oh, my God. You had that you imagine how, imagine how the, the conversation would have gone if oh we were drunk. Oh that. So I scored six bottles of Casamigos Which the other we day. Love. Holy shit. I'm on a plane, and this guy just ends up having a chat with me. and goes, oh, I'm in the tequila business. What's your address? Oh, okay. And he said, before I've landed in LA, I've got six bottles of Casamigo at my house. We, you and I great. have always seemed to tip back a couple, two, three tequilas. Your friend, who got drunk on my show. Yep, Jimmy. Jimmy. So drunk, got lost in the hallway outside yeah. of our door at our hotel for an hour. I opened up the door, he's sitting on the floor next to us. I was wondering where you guys went. That's so funny. So he didn't get invited back to the show next year, did he? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. But he made it back to the Joshua show. He's, he's a good man. He's a good dude. What is it, what's, what is it you want to do? Like, where do you want to... I want to save the world and make people happy and... Man, I want to follow in the footsteps of my heroes. I grew up on David Attenborough and Steve Irwin and Dr. Fuji and all these. Dr. Suzuki, sorry, Dr. Fuji was a wrestler. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say. <laughs> Do you have a, Man, you have a same I'm... finishing move, Dr. Finish, Dr. Fuji? No, I just pull off, pull off your ball sack with my robot With hand. your fucking, yeah. by the way, not a terrible wrestling move. <laughs> it's more like a Mortal Kombat Yeah, move. that's not terrible. <laughs> all right. Man, I, I just, I, I love adventures but I don't want to do them for no reason. I don't want to just go and learn to wingsuit base jump for no reason. I want to, I want to have a job that has a purpose like it had in the military. I want to blow shit up, jump out of planes for a purpose. So at the moment I, I'm exploring this documentary hosting thing and I'm, I'm having a great time doing it and I'm having a great time sharing my passion with people about the natural world, about the planet, about sharks, about the ocean. Because I, I truly love it. I love being out there, being underwater, being surrounded by jungle and animals. And not everyone's going to get that opportunity. So if I can share my love of that with people, perhaps that they'll want to protect it like I do. Yeah, man. I, I think you're, and I actually was telling this to my wife. 
I, I, I think you're the right person. I do, for a lot of reasons. One, you've survived an attack. I'm pot shock. Yeah, yeah. you're pot like Spider Man. But but like, if you are not scared to go back in the water, if you are still fighting for them in their place on this earth, right? Yeah, and it's only because I learned. You know, knowledge is key. You know, if you don't know anything about sharks, then you're always going to be afraid of them. Of course you are. Yeah. No one wants to get bitten. Trust me, that shit hurts. Yeah, but my uh, my. Th- and I could be wrong, but my theory with the shark is, especially the the full-grown shark, mm. great white, that's why when I hear people say, oh, they get bit by a shark, not they get eaten by a shark, they get bit by a shark, because if a full-grown great white wants to eat you, oh, yeah. it's going to eat you. Yeah. So and look, they have done. They have done. There are but stories. But not too often. Not Usually too often. Usually it's a bite, which what that tells me is that yeah. it bites you and it's like, I don't, that's not what I'm looking for. No. That's I'd, not be, what I'm I'd for. be more worried about people with guns in America. Than sharks. Oh, yeah. I'd be worried about people with guns at the beaches more than sharks. I'd be worried about almost anything more than sharks because your chances are so low. I know. When Andy told and me. If, if, if you do get bitten, hey, you get a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody. It's an, I wouldn't worry about it at all. It's a yeah, cool story. It's an awesome story. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you, anywhere you want people to find you? Anything. Uh, at the moment, they can't find me anywhere because um, you're at Paul DeGelder I, on Twitter. I'm, I'm Paul DeGelder. Yeah, I've got Instagram. Jump on my Instagram and Twitter. But um, I'm just waiting for my working visas to come through so I can start doing this speaking out here and start telling people more about the story, more about passions, more about overcoming obstacles in life, more about positivity, more about happiness because that's what I love to do. I love changing people's lives, and I've been doing it for years in Australia now. Uh, being so- toted as one of the top 10 speakers. So I just want to get out here and reach more people and travel and meet everyone and just have a fat old time. Yeah, dude, that's, for me, what has always struck me about you is you're over, and I feel like, like for me, I, I'm, I feel the same way. It's so much easier to go through life and positive. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just... Uh, but I, you have to have a reason for it. You have to have the mindset for it. Right. You can't just go look at people and go, hey, Josh, you having a bad day? Be positive. Turn that frown upside down. <laughs> you're gonna go and shut <laughs> you're gonna get punched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have to give. You have to. You know. And I meet so many sad people, and it makes me sad that I meet so many sad people. I don't want to be sad, and people get comfortable in their misery, and they just accept it, and they think this is all there is. But life can be fucking awesome. I've I've changed my life so many times. You know, living in a house with no electricity, no running water, showering at the public showers. Where when was that? Just before I joined the army, you know, I had nothing. Eating ramen noodles. Who were you? Who? Why, who were you living with? Just a buddy, because we we didn't have anything. We got this house, and we just we could all we could do was. Uh, he was paying the rent. He's now a famous comic artist. He draws the comic uh, covers for Ninja Turtles. Really? And, yeah, but he paid our rent one week by drawing the real estate people pictures. That's how poor we were. We paid for rent with him drawing pictures. Were you still drugging at this point in time? Still what? Doing drugs. We didn't have any money to buy drugs. <laughs> <laughs> that's the big problem. No, we, we didn't have any weed. And so that's why you joined the service because you were broke. Well, I, I, no, I got my life back together. I, I started working behind a bar in a club and you know things were coming together. I was living with a couple of friends. I had a, a girlfriend and stuff, but I wasn't. I still wasn't happy. And then... I told my boss about my thoughts about joining the army. And he's like, you don't want to do that. Look, stay here. And in six months time, I'll give you the bar manager's position. 
And I looked over at the bar manager and he was sitting at the counter of the bar with a cigarette, pale, skinny, living in the suburbs, probably going home to his wife looking unhappy. And I just thought, do I want to be that guy? No. No. Fuck no. There's there's more to life than that. There is a world out there. It's so incredible. It's so worth seeing. So I just needed to find a way to be a part of it. And I met a guy in a bank today just before I came here as well. Who, that's all he wants as well. So we had a big chat about it. We're going to catch up down at Cam Comic-Con and I'm going to give him some Are you going to Comic-Con? Hell yeah. What are you going to do down I, there? I don't know. I've never been there before. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. That's what I heard. That's why I want to go. Yeah. Do you? Well, we'll talk about it. I may be able to help you up with people to see and awesome. say hello to. Unreal. Yeah. But that's one, of my, one of my favorite guys is going to be down there, the uh, Aussie bloke who plays uh, Ragnar Lothbrook who? from Vikings. I don't even, I have no idea who that is. You've never watched Vikings. I have no idea who oh, that is. Oh, dude, you got to watch Vikings. It's it's rooting and killing. And... Ragnar Mothnook? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> His name is in the show is Ragnar Lothbrook. Uh -huh. He's an Australian guy who plays like the king of the Vikings. Fuck. It's really cool. All they do is just have wars and kill people and root and stuff. It's, root means have sex. Yeah, no, I got it. Yeah, 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 got it. So it's really, it's really good. It's it's like Game of Thrones, but with Vikings. Probably not on the same Fuck scale. Yeah, so wait, should I watch that? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give it a look. So he's going to be down there? Yeah, apparently he's going to be down there. So, Have you uh, reached out to him? No, I don't know him. But uh, the guy at the bank knows him. Does he? Apparently. So we're going to catch up and go hang out with old Ragnar and drink some mead. And Are you going to drive down know? there with Chris? Uh, no, Chris is in Texas. Oh, he'll be back by then. I'm going to see Chris in Texas on Thursday. How long But I'll be there? staying on Chris's couch. How long? <laughs> with in the, San Diego? With the, with the two pit bulls, the chihuahua, the potbelly pig, and the three kids. Does he have a potbelly pig? He, he in, oh, proposed. He proposed to his fiance with a potbelly pig, and she got to keep the pig too. Where was the ring? I don't want to know. On like a collar. Okay. And a, and a, it's, it's a little girl pig, and it was about as big as this water bottle when he gave it to her. That's now amazing. it's about the size of a pit bull. And it just, it is, I, I can't stand it personally. It's disgusting. It walks around the house. Does it shit in the house and stuff? No, it shits outside. It's got these tiny little legs, and its, it's name is Chris P. Bacon. Mm. He said if it was a boy, it was going to be called Kevin. <laughs> By the way, that's what we named. I named we. I found a rabbit once out in the wild, and its leg was broken. Oh, so I, I picked it up and I. You, you big softy. But we named him Kevin Bacon because his foot was loose. <laughs> <laughs> Good time. Yeah, yeah. You're wittier than you seem. Yay! Thank you, everybody. Um, <laughs> all right, so I, I would implore everybody not only to follow Paul, but to get involved. Yeah. Even listen. See what you can do in your yeah. local communities. Back home, we, we get together with friends and we'll go down to a beach and we'll clean it up. We'll pick up all the rubbish and then we sit around and have a couple of beers and yeah. make a day of it. I, I honestly, when I'm walking my dog or if I'm out on the street, if I see trash, I pick it up. Yeah, good man. Just start small and go yeah. to the stand. Sust sustainable table. Sustainabletable.com. Get some tips. You know, I've, I've even stopped eating meat now. Which Red is meat? really like, I still eat a bit of fish. Chicken? But no chicken, no no baby sheeps, no, none of that stuff. Baby Just, sheep, I'm not sure I ever ate. Lamb. Is, oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. yeah no. I've had that. <laughs> you have definitely yeah, eaten yeah. the baby sheep. <laughs> as a matter of fact. Veal is baby deer. I, I don't eat baby cow, I think. Yeah. So I'm you're just, no meat at all? No. Are you no, vegetarian? I, I, yeah. Well, pescatarian at the moment. I still eat a bit of fish. Yeah. 
But I just, you know, I did so much work with the animals and then I had to do this big speech at the Ethics Centre in Sydney about why animal rights should trump human interests. And you know what? I just really like animals and I don't really, and it's not the, the eating of the animals I have the problem with. It's the factory farming and it's pigs living in cages their whole lives and their only purpose is to feed more baby pigs so the baby pigs can get killed so we can have bacon and shit and it just doesn't mean enough to me to want to consume them let me ask you then if you were even though they taste wonderful they do taste pretty delicious i do miss hamburgers if you went hunting and killed a deer would you eat that yeah i've got no look i'm not against eating meats per se i'm more about the way that they're exploited yeah yeah and and the fact that I don't know what goes into that shit. You know, they're pumping chickens full of hormones and salt water to plump them up. And I don't, I don't want to put hormones and steroids in my body. You know? No. It's not like they're going to make me buff and make me <laughs> unsick. You know? Yeah, but you know what? I, I wouldn't mind a hormone. I could, yeah. I could... <laughs> you know, my mum my taught me this joke and she got it off our local priest. How do you make a hormone? Kick her in the crutch. Uh, I was going to say, use another <laughs> finger. <laughs> <laughs> that came from my local yeah. place. <laughs> um, all right. Get involved, everybody. Dude, I could talk to you forever. Uh, you guys also, just the show, share it. Tell everybody about it. Let's get people talking. And you know where to find me, at Josh Wolf Comedy, tour dates, comedian, joshwolf.com. Still haven't been to a show. Still looking forward to it. <sighs> I want to come and pee my pants a little bit. Come uh, next week, or maybe even, oh, this weekend you're out of town? Yeah. Next week I'm in town. I'm going to shoot him up, Phil. What is that? Dallas. Oh, yeah. Well, go ahead and strap him up. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you. Buddy. <laughs>